for our podcast today. Uh, and joining me is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. We are on air, and we have had race cars on the racetrack uh, for a couple of series practice and races already. So race season is upon us. Yes, indeed. Uh, And uh, in our first half hour, we're going to talk about some of the short track racing that's been going on. You'll hear some familiar names in that conversation. And then in the next 15 minutes, uh, we're going to talk about the win for Sammy Smith at New Smyrna Speedway last night. He finally found his redemption after coming up short last season. Uh, the uh, 2021 Series champion uh, wins the season opener. What a, what a way to open up a, a championship defense. I know that track uh, he particularly wanted some redemption at, as you said, but to come out after winning the championship uh, with a win really sets the tone for the season and says, hey, I'm looking to go back-to-back. Yeah, but I I watched the race, and I'll tell you what, there were some other drivers that I think we'll need to keep our eyes on uh, for this season, and we'll talk about that uh, in the latter part of this first half hour. At the top of uh, of that uh, half hour, we are going to – talk to our guest. He's one of our own. James Bickford is coming on board, and he is now the team manager for Charlotte Phoenix. It's the flagship East organization for the Carolinas. So I'm definitely looking forward to catching up with James Bickford. Uh, I know he's got some other things kind of going on besides that. So uh, definitely looking forward to catching up with James. Most certainly. Always great to catch up with him. Uh, I know he comes on and uh, co-hosts and, and on the show here with us and part of our Fan for Racing group with the Fantasy. But to get to sit down and talk with him, uh, I know I hadn't really, uh, outside of chatting with him online, uh, I think it was at Chicagoland when he was doing uh, the testing for Toyota mm-hmm. and the uh, Toyota program. So it would be great to hear from yep, him and uh, maybe get a peek yeah, yeah, we had quite the ride. I think I still have the video of that yes. somewhere. But uh, yes. catch up with him and uh, hear what he's got going on and what uh, other plans maybe he has going into the future of looking forward to the year. Yes, indeed. Uh, and that will be the first part of the second half hour here today. In the next segment uh, of that half hour, we are going to start our NASCAR Truck Series preview at Daytona. So uh, a lot to talk about there. And then in our final half hour of the uh, preview segment of our show, we're going to do the Xfinity and then the Cup Series previews at Daytona. Uh, You know, tonight there's qualifying, and I noticed on Race Hub uh, this evening they're going to do a delayed broadcast of the media availabilities of all the drivers at uh, at uh, Daytona uh, this week as well. So that should be a lot of fun, uh, as well as the qualifying tonight for the Daytona 500. Yeah, I saw that. I think it's a three-hour program. My DVR is already set. Uh, I know some fans, uh, that might not be their thing, but, yeah, I definitely set my DVR to record that so I can go through it. 
Fortunately, uh, normally if we did our show on Thursday nights, but with the duels running, we're not. Uh, we'd have that information for you as well, but you'll have to catch it yourself. Exactly. We'll try to preview that information uh, as part of our preview as well. Then, of course, at the uh, top of the last half hour for us today, Jay, is uh, NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And as it turns out, because we are doing the podcast, a lot of our crew is not available. So we are going to be just you and me on Hot Topics today. Well, I know we still got a couple of hot topics uh, that have kind of gotten, I don't know, I want to say buried, but set to the side as we've had some big ones come out, come about. But there's still a couple of good ones that we can talk about, and I think part of it will come about from, you mentioned qualifying tonight, practice last night. I watched both uh, both sessions of that. I think there's some things we can talk about from that. Mm-hmm. I do agree. So uh, that, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we'll start with the short track racing. I noticed at Racing America, Jesse Love defeats Derek Griffith in a dramatic World Series race. As you know, there is a huge event happening at New Smyrna Speedway this week with the World Series of Asphalt uh, on that track. And uh, the, the, those two drivers exchanged the lead many, many times and raced side-by-side for 13 laps. Uh, before we found out who was going to be the actual victor, and Jesse Love came out on top. And this is where you mentioned it in the in the uh, first part of the show, talking about you're going to see some names. Uh, Jesse Love obviously won an up-and-coming driver, working his way into all series, getting in any cars he can, and I think you're going to see his name a lot more throughout the year. And then for, on, a, on a short track like that, to go door-to-door, as you said, with Derek Griffith, tells you right there because Griffith is one that's been in the super late model classes. We've heard his name before and seen it in a couple of the ARCA series that I'm excited for that. Not just that week there at New New Smyrna, the uh, world series of asphalt racing, but throughout the season, as we see more and more of these names. Absolutely. Now, uh, Jesse Love, that, that race, by the way, was part of the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series that takes place at that track. And uh, these were two super late model drivers that uh, really put on a show, (coughs) excuse me, at New Smyrna. The margin of victory, by the way, was 0.812 of a second. So that was a thriller. And if you have Glow Sport Racing, you can actually watch that race as part of the replay of the, all of the events that have been taking place at New Smyrna this week. Uh, and it sounds like it was uh, one for the record books. Well, and you mentioned not just the battle between them two, but names. Sammy Smith finished sixth in ARCA Menard Series East Series champion. Ryan Priest finished eighth. I know he didn't have the best finish he was looking for, but if you're a late model fan, Bubba Pollard was in there as well, finishing 13th. So there again, yes, you see the names they're racing against as well. Not just uh, uh, showing up, but beating some of these drivers just has to give you that confidence and knowledge of where you're at with your program, your season, your driving. So that big win for uh, Jesse Love. Okay. Now, um, there was another one. You know, earlier this week they had the modifieds 
and Matt Hirschman uh, did really well. Time it was a chess match. Uh, it looked like a chess match, I guess, as uh, Ron Silk said he was driving as hard as he could to keep up with one of the fellow greats behind him, Matt Hirschman. And uh, I believe, I'm going to let, yeah, Ron Silk actually uh, ended up winning that particular race. So uh, that's pretty cool. Well, and if you're familiar with modified racing at all, you know that name. Uh, I'm not a huge follower, but a big enough race fan to have, have seen that, and I definitely know that name. Uh, not a surprise to see him come out on top, but they're getting, you know, racing ra- uh, is, is racing for a reason and thrills the fans because you don't ever know. Um, as we saw, you can get side-by-side actions. Sometimes it's a little bit more dominating performance, but he is one that I would expect to see his name. When it comes to the modifieds especially, you see repeatedly at the top of the list. Absolutely. Now, some familiar names there. We mentioned Matt Hirschman came in second. But uh, you also had uh, drivers like Joey Coulter. A lot of people remember Joey Coulter racing in the NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, He was in this race, and that's what he's doing now. Tyler Truex was also in this race, finishing 16th. Joey finished 9th. And let me see if I recognize any of the Spencer Davis uh, finishing 27th in this race. Uh, and uh, any others that you recognize, Jay? No, those are the big highlights, but this is where, as a fan, if you're paying attention, you're going to start seeing these names now. You may only see them once or twice or, you know, a little further down the list, but in a year or so, you're going to be like, I remember that name. I've seen him before when they start knocking down these wins. Yeah. Uh, So... Yeah, it, it it really is amazing, uh, all of the things that are going on. Uh, now, there really was a Usperna doubleheader uh, on uh, yesterday as well. Uh, Mason Diaz raced in that uh, ARCA East event, and he's planning to stay busy this season, uh, and we're going to see quite a bit of him. You might remember we mentioned a, a, a few weeks ago that he won at uh, the in Florence in the icebreaker in the late model stock division, and he had a really solid race there. He had a top ten finish at well, actually he had a top ten finish at Florence in that icebreaker, and now uh, he was at the asphalt stock car racing. He finished fourth in last year's East race. And uh, he had a pretty good finish in the race uh, this this uh, Tuesday as well. So he's going to be racing at Daytona in the ARCA event, I believe, as well. Yeah, I know I got that pulled up. You're right. His name is on the entry list there for the ARCA Menard series. So we'll see how, how much that name grows. Uh, looking through that list, uh, I know we're not quite into the ARCA preview section yet, but a lot of rookies or names are going to start seeing more and more as they make their first starts or for first full-time year in the Arkham and Art Series or multiple races. So I think we got a huge program to look forward, forward to when it comes to the Arkham and Art Series. Exactly. Now, one more that I want to mention here, and Jeff Gordon said it during practice, I think, yesterday. I think I heard him saying this. Uh, that he's encouraging all of his drivers to get out and about and be seen and be visible throughout the week. And uh, William Byron did that. 
Kentucky uh, went out and won the Clyde Hart Memorial 100. Uh, it's uh, Hendrick Motorsports' uh, William Byron's first late model victory since 2015. And uh, so that was pretty cool, too. Uh, he was uh, the victor, uh, again, in a super late model. Well, I, th- I think William might have misunderstood what Jeff Gordon said. He, you, there was the part that he said, you know, get out and be seen. You get you get seen by being in victory lane. But the other half of what <laughs> Gordon was referring to was doing things outside your comfort zone and different things, such as he yeah. did uh, hosted Saturday Night Live. So I don't know if, if yeah. William Byron really took the full effect of that <laughs> encouragement, but he definitely got out there and was seen. Yes, indeed. Uh, some other drivers, William, of course, came in first, but some other drivers, uh, Sammy Smith with a third-place finish, Derek Griffin with a fourth-place finish, Jeffy, Jesse Love finished sixth in that race, uh, Daniel Dye, Stuart Friesen finishing uh, eighth and ninth, uh, let me look here, Ryan Priest, 19th. So, yeah, just some a lot of familiar names in that race. Well, and one I'd like to give a shout out, and I know he picked up a victory on one of the other nights. Again, unless if you're a follower of late model racing, I mentioned Bubba Pollard. Stephen Nassie is another one. He's one we've I've personally yes. seen at uh, Nashville, uh, Huntsville, and Montgomery, uh, as well as the Snowball Derby. Uh, had a battle down there uh, a couple years back. Uh, that's another name. You know, I don't know if we'll ever see come to a top level. But certainly one of the best, at least on the eastern coast here, of late model racers. Yes, uh, he he is another familiar name, and I'm sorry I missed that one. But uh, thank you, Jay, for bringing that up. That that's a good one. Okay, we talked a little. We just talked about Sammy Smith. Uh, he's been doing a lot of racing out at New Smyrna this week, uh, but this is the one he was looking forward to because uh, last year. You'll remember that he was 16 last year from Johnston, Iowa, and racing in the ARCA East season opener at New Smyrna Speedway. He ended up finishing second when Max Gutierrez came, dove down below him and Taylor Gray, who were racing for the league, and stole that victory uh, from both of those drivers who had been uh, battling all night uh, for the lead. So Max Gutierrez uh, actually came in third last night, and I know both of those drivers, uh, it, it was kind of a repeat. It was Sammy Smith and Taylor Gray uh, fighting for the lead, and Max Gutierrez worked his way through the field all the way up to third, and uh, I know they were watching the rearview mirrors, Jay. And I imagine, you know, drivers, they talk about a lot going on in the car and focused on what they're doing, but at least subconsciously last year's race had to come into play as they battled out again two of the same three players here in the final closing laps in the finish, that that has to, you know, be there to some degree of, you know, don't let this happen again. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But uh, uh, Sammy Smith, now 17 years old, uh, got his crack at redemption and uh, came home as the winner after winning the series championship last year. Um, he started actually from the general, general tire pole on Tuesday. He paced the field in uh, the pre-qualifying and practice events uh, that took place as well. 
as I mentioned, I felt like he was really establishing himself as definitely there and that being his race to win. As you said, he was at the top of the list of everything they did on track uh, to include the final uh, victory in the race. The other thing I look at here, though, is with those top three especially, seeing repeat drivers, so you got two that we know that were involved in last year's finish right there again this year, and then mixing in the new names as we see them uh, coming up. And Taylor Gray, we talked about the season he had, even coming back from injury last year and the stats he put up. We knew when he got to run full-time and be 100% uh, focused on racing now that you were going to see his name at the top a lot. Exactly. Uh, again, he was driving the number 18 and came home first with TMC Transportation on his uh, uh, as his sponsor. In second place was Taylor Gray in the 17th. Place of Hope was his sponsor. He was 1.638 seconds behind this year, so it wasn't quite as close as it was last year, uh, but the battle was certainly throughout the race. Max Gutierrez in the number 30. Uh, came home in third place. He had tough jokes on his uh, car for the day. Uh, then we're going to start hearing some new names uh, that I was kind of impressed with. Two of the rookies, Leland Honeyman, driving the number two for LH Waterfront, Construction, Stucker, and Maynard, uh, came in in fourth place. And Donald Teague in the number 74 had a good night, coming home in fourth. Another rookie, two rookies in that top five. And this is where I get excited about these short short track races, uh, late model races, and then the Arkham and RG East and West. Yeah, right now you look at that list and you're going, who's Leland Honeymoon? Who is Donald Tiedich? Well, by the end of the year, you're going to know because uh, they're going to be there all year long and mixing it up with these top names. So if although they didn't beat them, you know, we talk about this of even cup drivers. When they race at some of these races, the names that they're saying, hey, I had to race hard against this guy. Who is it? Or this driver. I don't want to say guy. Mm-hmm. This driver. So that's how they get noticed. And it may not be winning or beating them, but it is just racing with them and seeing that talent on the track. Exactly. A couple of the other. And this is going to be a good rookie battle. I don't know if all of these drivers are going to be racing the entire season, but they're names to watch because if they don't race this season, you can count on them coming back uh, next season. Uh, Logan Misaraka, I believe I pronounced that right, in the number 60 for JW Motorsports came in seventh. You've got Christian Rose. His finish does not represent how well he was running. He was running in sixth place for most of the night, uh, but ran into an issue uh, and turned his car and took himself out of the race. Um, uh, he might have had a little bit of help there. Uh, I'm going to have you watch the race and, and tell me what you think. He was driving the number 42, best-looking car on the track uh, by far. Uh, he had Visit West Virginia on his number 42 car. Steve Austin in the number 22. Caleb Costner in the number 95. Uh, Tony Costantino is listed as a rookie this year. And Zachary Tinkle, unfortunately, he had a rough night. He's driving the number zero. He started out on the very first lap. Uh, I think before the race even got started and had to go to pit road uh, and was checking under his hood for problems. So not a good start for Zachary, but I look for him to be back again, hopefully, uh, and uh, contend for that rookie of the year. So those are some of the new names you're going to hear throughout the season this year. 
And you mentioned it. You can't just look at uh, the finishing results and say who's a good driver and who's not or, or how they ran because a lot of times you're right. That is not indicative of how they ran throughout the entire race. Uh, unfortunately, uh, with racing, you occasionally have that. You go from the lead to uh, last or whatever in the closing laps. But uh, it's a matter of long term throughout the year of, of what we see from these drivers. And I think we're going to see some big things from a couple of these drivers for sure. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to uh, – let me just mention before you go on, Christian Rose is going to be on coming up on Fan for Racing Radio. Uh, I believe it's on the 21st, which is a Monday. Uh, let me just look here real quick. Uh, yeah, Christian Rose, February 21st at 9 o'clock. Uh, is listed as our guest. So watch. I'm looking forward to talking to him after having such a good run at um, at uh, New Smyrna. Bad finish, but a good run. Do you want to mention some of right, the other that, drivers? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, one I know, and you're right. I don't know which of these drivers are, are running the full season. Um, Mason Diaz, I believe, should be there through the full season. There in sixth place in the number 44. Solid Rock Carriers, Prince William Marina uh, machine. And then Stephanie Moyer in the number one. Got a top ten place finish there in ninth. And I think the others you had all hit that I would have uh, hit on. And we'll see as the, as the series progresses. As we get to the main Arkham Menard series, you're going to see a couple of these names again. And just to, uh, to hit the first one there, Zachary Tinkle is also on the list for the Arkham Menard series at Daytona. So That's hopefully right. yeah, make up make up for that. Uh get redemption right out right back out the gate. Uh, I believe that Leland Honeyman and Donald Tiggy are on that list as well, if I remember correctly. You've got it up. Do you see their names? Uh, and see. maybe even Max Gutierrez. Taylor Gray, Taylor uh, William Mullins is one I know I saw in the East Series, okay. scrolling down. Yeah, Max Gutierrez in the number 32 for Sawinski. Uh, you mentioned Christian Rose, another one in the 42 for uh, Bruce right. Cook. Uh, let's see. Michael Lira. Those are the only ones I'm scanning real quick that I saw as far as doubled up there uh, down at Daytona. Um, but that's not okay. to say we won't see them. I, I know a couple of them uh, you mentioned um, I know do have main Arkham Menard series starts throughout the year. It may not be here at Daytona. Some of them not eligible to run on the big track. Um, so we'll have to sure. see what other events. Uh, Sioux Chief Showdown would be a great spot where we may see more of them. Yes, indeed. Um, and, and uh, you know, this is a great opportunity for some of these drivers to race on a big track like Daytona. So the five that are racing at Daytona uh, this week are uh, getting that experience under their belt. So uh, I think that's fantastic as well. So uh, I, I, this was just a warm-up at New Smyrna this week. Kind of kind of like the, the cup guys going from uh, the Clash in the Coliseum there on the quarter mile to the big track in Daytona. Yeah, you got quite the range <laughs> there if you're going from New Smyrna down to Daytona. Oh, and just uh, for those of you that watched the race last night, make sure you vote for the Reese Sweet Move of the Race. With a Taylor Gray save, Christian Rhodes slide, he made an incredible, and this is what I mean, it does not 
do justice to look at where his finishing position was because he did an incredible slide uh, through traffic to gain uh, position. And then there was a, uh, also a, a nice move by Tammy Smith for the lead uh, between him and Taylor Gray. So uh, make sure if you've watched the race uh, that you check that out and vote. Uh, for the for uh, the Reese's sweet move of the race, I know what my favorite is. Have you voted, Jay? No, I hadn't yet. Uh, that's that's kind of a cool program they got going there, though. It, it is indeed, uh, and uh, I really want to encourage fans to take part in that this season. Uh, also, <clears throat> at Arca Racing. Uh, you, they always have great articles. They've got highlights on how Sammy Smith won that season's uh, opener at New Smyrna. Uh, they've got his Victory Lane interview. Uh, Race Center kind of gives you the play-by-play of what happened. Uh, and then there's the entry list for the Lucas Oil 200 presented by the General Tire uh, at Daytona. And you can still get tickets for that race, by the way. So there's still another race coming up here uh, for the Arkham Menard Series, the Lucas Oil 200, driven by General Tire, on February the 19th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time uh, at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, again, that's the Lucas Oil 200 presented by General Tires. That will be televised on Fox Sports 1. And we can go and give you a little bit of a preview of that race as well. Uh, it's the first race of 20. Uh, it's on that 2.5-mile paved oval at Daytona Beach. They'll be racing 80 laps, covering a distance of 200 miles. Uh, and if you don't have Fox Sports 1, if you've got the Fox Sports app, you can watch it. It will also be on MRN and Sirius XM channel uh, 391. If you're listening online, it's 981. And it's also available at arcaracing.com. So uh, get your tickets <laughs> for that race. We, we talked a little bit about the entry list. Any other notables on that entry list we need to talk about? Well, go, going first for this, I, I know now as a, as the Arkham and Ards, and we, we put focus on the short tracks, uh, New Smyrna kicking it off as far as the Arkham and Ards East. But for especially for the the top level, Daytona has always been the season opener. Arkham Menard Series now being a part of that, um, as they have for multiple years. Uh, same thing. It's it's the big event of the year. All the Cup guys, uh, all the top series down there, uh, just to focus on Daytona. So to see them kick us off here at Daytona is always an exciting thing. Just get that feel back into racing, super speedway racing. Uh, we've seen so really looking forward to it. Um, when we moved to the ARC uh, or the entry list, um, there were several on there, yeah, that, that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I know we can't necessarily go through the whole list, but um, Will Kimmel in the number list, 68. The uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to count down and see how many was the total there. But you got Will Kimmel going to be in the number 68. Always one to watch, uh, especially when it comes to super speedway racing. Brian DeZott um, in the number 57, Gus Dean in the number 55, and I say that one because that's kind of a favorite of mine, but we mentioned some of the ones uh, doing uh, multiple races. Mason Diaz 
listed in the number 44. Daniel Dye going to be in the number 43 for Gallagher Racing. Uh, Got to mention uh, the number 35, Greg Van Alst, uh, been a guest here. I don't know if we yep. have – do we have him booked yet for the year? Okay. So he'll be joining Not us yet, again this coming. year. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and, and he's one – you mentioned earlier that chance to drive at Daytona. I remember when we talked to him last year that of just the first time coming into Daytona. And he, I think he said it. He said, if I can make this race and not anything else for the year, the experience of going at it and, and living that dream of being at Daytona, uh, he wanted more, but he said that would have been enough to fulfill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that's pretty cool to see him back on the track. I'm excited to see Michael Lira back in the number 60. Uh, so that's going to be kind of fun, too, to to watch him back on the track. Got Andy Jakowiak. Benny Chastain is going to be racing. Uh, so I think that's kind of cool. Um, I'm trying to see any of the ones. Christian Rose, we mentioned him. I'm anxious to see what he does at uh, Daytona. Tony Bridinger is back. Corey Himes is going to be racing. Drew Dowler is going to be on the track. Uh, Raja Karut, uh, Nick Sanchez is back. So uh, definitely looking forward to all these guys racing at Daytona. Yeah, there were a couple more that I would have mentioned. Nick Sanchez, as we see him go transition from the East Series up to the Arkham Menard Series, and then Raja Karuth. And I don't remember if Raja is running the full Arkham Menard Series. I know he's got some Xfinity starts as well. Yes. Yes, they both, uh, I think, have either truck or Xfinity. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward <laughs> uh, to watching throughout this season uh, for these guys to be racing. Now, our guest should be coming up here shortly. We've got uh, joining us today is James Bickford. And, uh, you know, he, I'm going to uh, bring up uh, a little information here to kind of help me out. James Bickford has been part of our fan racing crew for a while now. He started out as a guest. He mentioned to me that he'd love to co-host with us. So uh, we've had a few occasions where he's come on and co-hosted for us and brought guests onto the show. Um, But now he is a business owner. He's into music. He's a racer. He's the class of the 2015 and 16 NASCAR Next uh, group trying to chase his dream of racing. But he's, lately, he's been the team manager for the Charlotte Phoenix iRacing Group, uh, and he's got a hashtag called From the Ashes. So uh, uh, if you want to follow him, he is on Twitter, at Bickford underscore James. And uh, he always puts a lot of really fun things up there for fans to keep an eye out for. All right. Have you reached out to him? I was going to say I could see if I could uh, shout at him via Twitter. Yeah, if you uh, want to talk for a minute, I'm going to send him a message here real quick. If you want to continue talking here. I can do that. Um, Talked about that, and I don't don't remember uh, how long. I know he's been here uh, with the Fan for Racing Group in, in the three years plus that I've been here. Mentioned that Chicagoland uh, Toyota had a uh, test ride where you could ride on a obstacle course where they had professional drivers taking taking you a, ri- a ride around in one of the Toyotas there 
and some of the things uh, that they do. One of the great things when you go to a track, the fan fan zone experience, if you will, that that Toyota especially um, got into in presenting that, and him taking us a ride, uh, and we specifically requested him, being that we knew he was doing it, um, but multiple drivers that were doing that. Uh, really fun experience and a thrill to have somebody like James give us that ride, talk us through some of the things, and get to talk to him. Uh, I remember him back from the Arkham and Argyle West series uh, when he was running there. Yeah, I just sent him a message on uh, on uh, Twitter, uh, Jay. Okay. Do you have his home? Do you have his uh, cell? Number? No, that that's I I actually have the I have the Twitter too is normally how I get in touch with okay. him. Okay, so hopefully he'll take a look at that and we'll be able to uh see if we can get him on the show here. I'm gonna keep an eye on the um I don't see him yet. I'm gonna see if I have his his uh cell number so I can leave him a message there. Okay, if we still want to give the full uh, segment uh, blocks there, do you want to start going into the truck series then, and we'll pick up in uh, where we left off um, while we see if we can reach uh, him? Yeah, let's see. Hold on. Let me see. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't have his cell number, so I'm not going to be able to do it that way. Uh, so hopefully he'll be looking at Twitter. He might be involved with uh, some things that are going on with the media day. I don't know. But he did tell me he would be available for today. So it's not like him to tell me that he will and then uh, that he can't make it. But it does happen on occasion. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, then uh, James Bickford. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that, Jay. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about what's uh, uh, going to the, the Camping World Truck Series race, and I'll have to see if I can keep an eye on the uh, uh, queue here to see if he comes in. Okay, the next era, Energy 250, uh, will be at Daytona International Speedway this Friday, uh, February the 18th, starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, Fox Sports 1 will have a pre-race coverage that starts at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, and there'll be radio coverage on the MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing 100 laps covering a distance of 250 miles. Stage 1 and 2 end on after 20 laps, so on stage 20, I'm mean, sorry, lap 20 for stage one, lap 40 for stage two, and, of course, the last stage of the race uh, will end on the last lap, lap 100. Last year it was Ben Rhodes who won this race. He'll be the defending winner uh, this year after uh, after uh, winning the championship in that very first race in the season opener last year. <laughs> That's right, and we we uh, kind of felt that vibe of of him going after that championship as as he won the first two races last year, and he did go on to win the championship. Um, but when we talk about Daytona for the Camping World Truck Series, uh, there's been 19 different drivers led by Johnny Sodder with three victories in 13, 16, and 18. Uh, 
Uh, there's just four former Series Daytona winners uh, this weekend, though. We mentioned Sauter has three. Austin Hill in 2019. Grant Infinger in 2020. 2020 and then Ben Rhodes, and they each have one. Uh, youngest driver to win at Daytona, Kaz Grala, 18 years, one month, and 26 days, which he did in 2017. And the oldest, got to throw out those uh, those names, Joe Rutman, 56 years, three months, 19 days, when he won it in 2001. We've got six okay, different threw, drivers. You, okay. Oh, go ahead. You threw me off. You started at the top instead of the bottom. Well, yeah, okay, I, I see, okay, my bad. I, I, that just good with the information, but I'll finish that. There are uh, six different Camping World Truck Series getting their first career win at Daytona. I mentioned Austin Hill, 2019, Kaz Grala in 17, Tyler Reddick was in 15, John King in 2012, Michael Waltrip in 2011, and Robert Presley in 2002. Yes, indeed. And I'll, I'll also, scroll down gonna... to the bottom now. <laughs> Okay. Uh, there's also going to be some new stops on the uh, truck series schedule this year, so that's going to be a lot to look forward to as well. Uh, they're going to renew the beaten and bagging brand of the racing as it returns to the .686-mile Lucas Oil Raceway at Indianapolis for the first time since 2011. Uh, that event will serve as the NASCAR uh, truck Series playoff opener, and it's going to offer drivers the first chance to clinch a spot into the round of eight. So the event is part of a jam-packed weekend of racing at Indianapolis that weekend because they're going to have the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series will be racing at the road course at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Saturday and Sunday of that same weekend. Also, the Camping World Truck Series is going to be visiting a pair of new road courses this season. They're going to return to Wine Country Sonoma Raceway for the first time since 1998, uh, again joining the Cup Series for a doubleheader weekend on June 11th. Uh, then after uh, they have some trips to Knoxville on June 18th and Nashville on June 24th, uh, for the second consecutive year, the Truck Series will debut at Mid-Ohio on July the 9th, a track that has hosted an Xfinity Series on an annual basis from 2013 to 21. So uh, definitely uh, excited about that. I know we talked about this with our hot topics. Uh, yeah, there there were a couple we, we hated to see go away. Uh, but to see some new tracks at uh, Sonoma and uh, Mid-Ohio, I think that one's a cool one. I don't know if that was the attempt to replace the road course uh, from Canada, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Hopefully we get to return to Canada, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, the Triple Truck Challenge, that's returning in 2022. Uh, it was introduced in 2019 as part of a three-race program providing drivers in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series opportunity to win up to $500,000 in bonus money. The Triple Truck Challenge will award a 50000 bonus to the race winner of any one of three events. Uh, you win two of the three races, and that's an additional 150000 and then win all three, and you collect that cool half million dollars. And they announced this year the uh, Triple Truck Challenge, just mentioned the Worldwide Technology Raceway uh, in the St. Louis area on June 4th be the Nashville Speedway on June 24th, and then the Mid-Ohio Sports Car uh, Course on July 9th. And just to add a note there, because I believe this is the same as the Dash for Cash in the Xfinity Series, 
That is for um, championship or uh, truck series eligible drivers. You have to declare which uh, series you're running for points in. You you have to be a part of that. And and I think back to a few years back, um, I know Kyle Busch wasn't eligible. He put Greg Biffle in the truck and and picked up that victory. And and Biffle only had the one shot at it, but he picked Thousand when he did it. So. And I throw Biffle's name out there for another reason we'll get to later on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, last year, Chandler Smith took home the Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors, uh, and it's going to be another tough competition this season, excuse me, with a new group of drivers. We've got Carson Hosebaugh, Haley Deegan, Chase Purdy, Chris Wright, and Tim Baines. Means is going to be competing for the Rookie of the Year honors this season. Uh, so they're looking to add their names to that Snowfall Rookie of the Year list. Um, new class of rookies. Oh, that was the people now, who the, competed for it last year. Yes, okay. Now, the new list of the drivers that are competing this year are Jack Wood, Dean Thompson, Lawless Allen, uh, Corey Heim, and Blaine Perkins. That's going to be a stout group of drivers. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Jack Wood made his uh, debut last year with GMS Racing on a part-time basis. He had 12 starts, posting a top-10 finish at Gateway. This season he's back with GMS Racing. He'll be driving that number 24 Chevrolet. Dean Thompson uh, made one start last year in the truck series and was just shy of a top-20 finish, pacing, uh, placing 21st in that start. This season, he's back for a full season, and he'll be behind the wheel of the number 40 for Nice Motorsports in a Chevrolet. Wallace Allen had his first stint in the truck series last season at the Daytona Road Course. He made nine starts last year with a best finish of 18th at Bristol. Uh, He's joining Nice Motorsports this season, and he'll be in that number 45 Chevrolet. Corey Heim uh, made his debut with Kyle Busch Motorsports. He had three starts with them, posting a best finish of 11th at Martinsville and had an average finish of 17.3. He's back with KBM this year, driving the number 51 Toyota. Blaine Perkins, we had him as a guest earlier this year for our season preview. He's running full-time this season for CR7 Motorsports in the Camping Road Truck Series. And last year season, he made his debut in the Xfinity Series, where he made eight starts with our Motorsports. He's going to be behind the wheel of the number nine for CR7 and driving a Chevrolet. So a lot to look forward to there with our rookie group in the Camping Road Truck Series. Well, you meant, you mentioned it, uh, that it, that is a good crop there. I kind of got to give the edge uh, what we saw him do in the Arkham Menard Series last year behind uh, Ty Gibbs. Give it to Kyle, Corey Heim with uh, KBM. We know what kind of drivers they have come through their truck series program. But you cannot count out any one of these others. Um, Jack Wood, you mentioned, returning with GMS. We saw the progress he made last year in those 12 starts. Uh, and then Dean Thompson and Blaine Perkins. I'm really excited to see Perkins uh, run full-time here with the truck series. Um, what did it say? He had eight starts. Uh, I know he had some uh, some starts last year. I didn't realize it was that many. Um, to see him run full-time, you mentioned we've, we've had him on the show. He comes from the West Coast, uh, so we've talked a lot about him. We'll see here how he does in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. 
Yes, indeed. We'll go to the 20-minute uh, segment format here since uh, James was unable to be on here today. We'll try to reschedule him for another day. Uh, but I noticed there were some point transfers in the truck series as well. Uh, GMS swapped the 21 truck to the number 23. They also swapped the number 2 to the number 24 uh, and the 26 to the number 99 for McAnally Racing. Uh, and then the 23 was swapped to the number 43 for Rayum Brothers. Uh, and Thor Sport swapped the number 13 to the number 66 for this season. Nice Motorsports swapped their number 45 to the number 44. Rayum Brothers Racing transferred the 34 to the number 61 for Hattori Racing Enterprises. And Spencer Davis Motorsports transferred their number 11 to the number 45 for Nice Motors, so quite a few of uh, the transfers there for uh, uh, owner points. Well, I'll tell you, I mentioned this earlier when it comes to, to watching the, the short tracks and modifieds and, and other late model series that you've got to be a real in-depth fan, and I consider myself one. That's a lot of information there that uh, I, have a t- I have a tough time keeping up with, and I know, Sharon, you get, it, get the media NASCAR media page and can get on there and see all this. Yeah, uh, I know in some cases it comes very applicable for the business model and aspect of it um, as far as who's uh, got owner points from last year and going into this year and the pay scale and everything on down. More part of the, the, like I said, business model side to it, but there are some times where it definitely comes into play, and for fans that don't understand, that's what it has to do with it. Who gets provisionals or when they get them, uh, we've seen that come into play in the past, and that is why it is important for them to do that to uh, provide the best uh, success and in insurance of racing for their drivers. So it may seem like it's like, oh, what does it matter? They're just changing the, the name on, on, you know, on the entry. Uh, there is a lot that goes into play very in-depth, like I said, uh, from the business standpoint of it, um, but it can be applicable. Yes, indeed. Uh, and, you know, it, it always happens at the beginning of the year. You're always uh, checking out. Um, you're always, uh, what is it I want to say? It seems like you're always, um, finding new people in different, uh, different people in different places and new people in old places. And, uh, it's always interesting to see how that plays out, um, in the, uh, all of the series for that matter. Yeah, you're right. It does happen. Okay. Um, We've seen it uh, in several cases uh, on the Cup Series uh, when you talk about mergers and stuff. uh, can become very important. And I'm trying to reach out. I do have James on the uh, Twitter here, and I'm I'm seeing if he's still going to be able to call into the show. Um, Tell him we'll reschedule at this point. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Um, If you want to move on then and start the Xfinity Series and chat with him. Okay, I'm going to uh, go over the entry list here for the truck series uh, real quick. Uh, some familiar names, uh, Jordan Anderson, um, uh, Jennifer Joe Cobb, Blaine Perkins. Austin Hill's going to be driving. He'll be in the number seven. Uh, Tanner Gray in the number 15. Uh, Riley Earps will be there in the 17. Uh Let's see, Taylor Gray, Tanner Gray, Tyler Ancrum, Chandler Smith, Derek Krause, 
Danny Bowen will be on board, Austin Wayne Self, a familiar name in the trucks, as is Grant Enfinger. Um, Jack Wood, Matt Benedetto will be racing in trucks this season in the number 25. Uh, Brian Dusak, uh, Kate Fogelman, Brett Holmes in the number 32 is back, Jason White, Zane Smith is back, Dean Thompson, Carson Hosebar, Thad Moffitt, Chris Wright, Lawless Allen, Corey Heim, Stuart Friesen, Tammy Hill, Chase Purdy, looking forward to uh, uh, having Chase Purdy back in with Thorsport, uh, I'm sorry, with Hattori uh, Racing this year. Uh, Ty Majeski is with Thorsport this season. Uh, Kligerman, Matt Crafton, Colby Howard, uh, Jason Kitzmiller, uh, Christian Eckes, Ben Rhodes, last year's champion, of course, is back. Uh, then we've got uh, uh, Matt Jaskell. Uh, and Johnny Sauter, I guess, is going to be racing, but he's going to be uh, with G2G Racing. And Clay Greenfield, a lot of people will know Clay Greenfield from uh, uh, Martinsville Speedway. He's going to be racing as well. Jay? Okay, Jay must still be talking with uh, uh, with uh, James, so we're going to go ahead and go on here to, oh, he's calling back in. Okay. Yep, hey, somewhere, Josh, somewhere in there I got, di- yeah, somewhere in there I got disconnected, and uh, I don't know if I caught James quick enough because he said he was calling in as well, so he may still call in. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to try to reschedule him instead. I I, I hate to rush the interview uh, when we've okay. got so much to cover. So uh, what I want to do is uh, see if we can reschedule him so we can give him his due justice. Uh, because right. I, I really was looking forward to catching up with him and everything that he's doing. So uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking to James uh, on a future episode, probably uh, sometime in March, so we'll we'll see if we can't work that out. Okay, um, so I just went through the entry list. I don't know if you've seen that, Jay, uh, but a lot of uh, really great names on that entry list for the Truck Series this year. It is, as always, especially when it comes to Daytona, super excited to start a new season for that reason. New drivers, drivers in different places, and somewhere in there is where I got disconnected, and I heard you hit on it, and I know, uh, I think it was Tommy that picked him, Matt DiBenedetto in the truck series. Uh, looking forward to that. Tommy obviously uh, on board with him as he picked him right out the gate uh, for the win there at Daytona, and that certainly is a possibility and would be super great for Matty D. Yes, I think that's going to be so much fun watching Matty D uh, race in the truck series and uh, definitely looking forward to see him, seeing him back on the track, uh, again, racing for Rackley uh, WAR uh, for this season. And you'll see him in that number 25 car uh, for them. But there's so many new people in, in new places uh, in the truck series this season, so don't feel bad if you're looking at the track and you, you'll see a few of the familiar names in the same places, but there's a lot of new people in different places this year. Okay. Uh, James said he will get back with you. Then he, he was on hold and heard the, heard the discussion there. So 
he'll get back on uh, with us another time, uh, hopefully here uh, shortly um, in the next couple of weeks. Because like you said, uh, we definitely want to hear from him and, and what he's got going on. Now, okay, so yay. I'm so happy to hear that, and, and uh, we'll do our best to get him rescheduled. Uh, I know he's got a really busy schedule, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to squeeze that in uh, for James Bickford. Uh, always a lot of fun chatting with him. Uh, okay, uh, let's see if there's anything else we want to make sure we mention here. No, we, we better move on to the uh, – actually, Jay, let's go ahead and move on yep. to the uh, – um, to the Xfinity series, if I can get it out of my mouth, uh, uh, all right. for this season. Um, the Xfinity series, I'm doing multiple things here, so I apologize for that. Uh, the Xfinity series uh, is going to be racing uh, this weekend as well. They will be racing the beat. It's what for dinner 300 at Daytona International Speedway on Saturday, February the 19th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox Sports 1 will again have pre-race coverage starting at 4 p.m. Eastern, and radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 300 miles over 120 laps. The first two stages are 30 laps each, ending lap 30 on for stage one, lap 60 for stage two, and lap 120 for stage three. Last year's winner was Austin Sendrick. I don't believe he's on the entry list this year because he's racing the Cup Series. Uh, it's going to be fun to see what he does <laughs> in the uh, Cup Series this year. But I think we're in for a new winner. We are indeed, and uh, we got a lot going on here uh, for the Xfinity Series. Um, talked about, uh, mentioned as we get ready for Daytona, um, it's not just the race, it's the event. And so we got lots for fans this week in Daytona. They can enjoy more than just the great races. Rodney Atkins will be kicking things off on the uh, fan zone stage at 8 p.m. What was that? That was yesterday. Oh, that was prior to, to, to yesterday's um, fan zone. Uh, Sunday, February mm-hmm. 20th, fans can get fun started. Uh, Drew Parker will be at the UNOH Fan Zone stage. And then Luke Combs, uh, the Daytona 500 pre-race on Sunday at 1.30 p.m. So, again, if you're in the Daytona area and, and part of that event, yeah, lots going on there. Okay, we talked about the Truck Series Challenge in in the uh, Cup Series, uh, and you mentioned it's similar to the Dash for Cash. Well, the Dash for Cash is returning to the Xfinity Series this year, uh, and uh, the program's designed to add elements of unpredictability and drama leading up to the four designated races uh, for the Dash for Cash. So, again, this is just for NASCAR Series regular competitors. Those people have... Uh, already uh, designated that they are racing for the championship in this series. So the four tracks this year, March 26th at Circuit of the Americas, April the 2nd at Richmond Raceway, Talladega on April the 23rd, and Dover International Speedway on April the 30th. So those are coming up really soon, uh, this Dash for Cash opportunity where uh, – the drivers can earn some extra cash. 
Well, and the one thing there with four races, I like it. Road course, a three-quarter short track, the super speedway, and then a one-mile road course. You talk about uh, proving your, your worth on all tracks. I like that setup with the four races there, uh, four very distinct uh, tracks. Some quick snacks for Daytona International Speedway uh, heading into the beef. It's what's for dinner, 300. Uh, Daytona International Speedway has hosted 60 NASCAR Series uh, races, 34 different drivers that have won, uh, led by Dale Earnhardt and Tony Stewart. They have seven wins each. Only five races in history have been won from the pole or the first starting position. Uh, happened in 02, 03. Eight, nine, and then in 2021, that was an 11-, 12-year gap there. Uh, Jeff Bodine still holds on to the race record. From 1985, it was 157.137 miles per hour. Your qualifying record, all right, we talk about this. I can't help repeating it, but you got to be a longtime fan. Tommy Houston, the qualifying record, uh, 1987, 194.389 miles per hour. The all-time lap leader, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., at 560 laps. And, and single race laps record, uh, know him as Front Row Joe, Joe Nemechek, 105 laps led back in 1998. Okay. Uh, back to the Snooker Rookie of the Year class. Who's going to bring it home this year? Ty Gibbs. Uh, was just phenomenal last year and understandably won the Sunoco City of the Year title. There were five other five drivers competing with him. Uh, but this year, uh, he, well, he had four wins on his uh, part-time schedule uh, to win that Rookie of the Year honor in the Xfinity Series. Now we're going to see some familiar names uh, in, the tr- in the Xfinity Series with Sheldon Creed, Austin Hill, and Jesse Awuji competing for that title this year. Uh, Sheldon Creed has a diverse history in racing. His first stint with stock cars uh, started in 2016 after competing in the Arca Menard Series. He's also raced in the Trans Am Series, uh, the Arca West Series, and ultimately the Camping World Truck Series uh, and Xfinity Series events. In 2020, he was named the Truck Series champion, having won five races with GMS Racing. And this year, he's going to be behind the wheel of the number two Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing. In total, prior to this season, he's made four starts in the Xfinity Series, posting one top ten finish. Austin Hill is no stranger to NASCAR. He was part of the NASCAR Next program in 2014 and 15, and during that time he ran part-time in the truck series and eventually made a name for himself. In 2019, he qualified for the playoffs for the first time, posting four wins, seven top fives, and 13 top tens. He's made the truck series playoffs in both the years following that 2019 season, and that same year he made his Xfinity Series debut at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, finishing inside the top 10. This season, he will be in the number 21 Chevrolet again for Richard Childress Racing. Jesse Awuji made his National Series debut in 2018 in the Cup Series, but cut his teeth in the Arkham Menard Series West in 2015 and has since worked his way into the Xfinity Series. Before making his debut in the Xfinity Series in 2020 with MBM Motorsports, 
he was competing in the truck series with Rayum Brothers Racing, where he made that year, as well as in 2021, and five starts in 2019. Last year, Wuji made one Xfinity Series start for Mike Carmen Racing, and this year he's partnering with the National Football League Hall of Famer Emmett Smith to form Jesse Awuji Motorsports. He'll be driving his own number 34 Chevrolet. So a lot to look forward to for that competition. Most certainly. Uh, you know, offhand, I'd have to say Sheldon Creed is kind of the favorite, but we've seen Austin Hill, a champion in the truck series as well. And Jesse Awuji, uh, to see him go full-time, I know it's with a new team, but I think they got a great program there. So I think we're going to see a great battle there, as we mentioned, in all the classes we've seen. So now we got to talk about the with the Xfinity Series, those new faces and new places. We just mentioned a couple as they're coming in. But this offseason, we saw some other shuffling of drivers in the NASCAR Xfinity Series garage. So let's see if we can pick some of those up. Uh, College Racing has picked up a couple of drivers that are going to run well this season. That'll include last year's 2021 Xfinity Series champion, Daniel Hemrick, as well as Landon Castle. Now, Hemrick makes the jump to Colleague after driving for Joe Gibbs, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing last season, where he made 33 starts. He uh, qualified for the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs three times and has come back to try for the fourth. Now, Castle's NASCAR career began in 2007, and since then he has polished his resume with an impressive accomplishment, such as being named the 2008 NASCAR Xfinity Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year, and is competing and posting five top fives in all three of NASCAR's national series. Another team to add some uh, new names to their full-time roster, that's Junior Motorsports. Uh, this season, you can expect to see Sam Mayer and Josh Berry competing in even bigger capacities. Mayer made his Xfinity Series debut in, with Junior Motorsports last season, uh, coming back full-time this year. He tallied one top five and six top tens, posted a best finish of fourth at Martinsville Speedway. In 2020, he won his first race in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series in just his seventh start. Now, Barry is actually rejoining um, Junior Motorsports. It's just full-time this year after a part-time uh, schedule last year of only 22 starts. He posted two wins coming at Martinsville and Las Vegas, as well as six top fives and 12 top tens. You mentioned Ty Gibbs. He was runner-up finisher for the 2021 Sunoco Rookie of the Year Award. Okay. Jay mentioned that uh, Daniel Henrik is coming back for more uh, he was the 2021 Xfinity Series champion, and he's going to be competing again in that number 11 car for College Racing Chevrolet this year. Uh, he hopes to carry some of that momentum into this year, especially for uh, that first race at Daytona. Henrik's uh, 21 victory actually came in the championship race at Phoenix Raceway. It marked uh, the very first win of his career and he posted, uh, along with that, 15 top fives, 21 top tens, and led a career-high 663 laps. Very consistent. He's also doubling up by his seat time this season, as he's also going to be competing part-time in the number 16 Colleague Racing Chevrolet in the Cup Series, 
where he won the Snooker Rookie of the Year honors in 2019. Um, if he goes back-to-back for championships in the uh, Xfinity Series, he'll be the eighth driver in history to do that. Other drivers that have done that in the Xfinity Series are Sam Ard, Larry Pearson, Randy LaJoy, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Martin Truex Jr., Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Tyler Reddick. I think if you have Jr. in your name, you've got a better chance of doing it. Well, that's a, that's a point to take from that for sure. <laughs> uh, my thought there was the last name you mentioned. The question, a championship driver going from Joe Gibbs Racing to a new organization, can you go back-to-back as champion? Tyler Reddick did it going from junior motorsports to Richard Childress Racing. So it can be done. Yep, that's sure. That's the truth. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, here. we're going to talk about what's for dinner. Not tonight, but beef. It's what's for dinner 300 kicking off the 2020, uh, 2022 Xfinity Series race uh, for Daytona. The stage is set there for Daytona International Speedway on Saturday. Uh, last year's action-packed season opener, we saw NASCAR Xfinity Series champion Austin Sindrick hold off Brett Moffitt and Harrison Burton in a two-lap overtime to take the checkered flag. The victory was his first uh, on the 2.5-mile Daytona track. Go back to the inaugural NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Daytona, going back to February 13, 1982, and won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt. And we mentioned he went on to win six more Xfinity Series races in Daytona, 1986, 1990, 91, 92, 93, and 94. And Sharon kind of went over the stats here. Their evening's race, Saturday evening's race, will be 120 laps, which will be 300 miles. Stage one ending on lap 30, stage two at the end of lap 60, and then the final checkered flag for that third stage. Uh, They will have a practice. Uh, First practice will be on Friday at 4.35 Eastern time, and this can be caught on FS1. And then qualifying will be 11.35 a.m. Eastern on Saturday morning on the 19th. So on-track action really starting to pick up. we got practice and qualifying back, especially for the Daytona races. Uh, Even though 500 gets all the premier uh, prestige, Opening at Daytona for all of these series is huge. Uh, you know, all drivers say it. They don't care if it's a it's a foot race, a go kart race, whatever it is. To win at Daytona is huge. It's huge, absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and get into the Cup Series here, Jay, because uh, we, if we have some time left over, and I'm hoping we do, uh, we can get into our fantasy uh, points after the clash. All right. We haven't been able to do that. Uh, So I'm giving you some lead time there so you can prepare for that. Okay. Uh, For the Cup Series, the Daytona 500 at Daytona International Speedway will take place Sunday, February the 20th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be on Fox. Uh, with pre-race coverage starting at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, radio coverage, MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing 500 miles over 200 laps, stage one. And, uh, yeah, stage one ends on lap 65, stage two on lap 130, so those are 65 laps each. And uh, the final stage ends at lap 200. Last year's winner was Michael McDowell, and if you watched uh, practice, 
he was kind of uh, leading the charts there at practice uh, this uh, week already as well. And isn't it great that we have practice and qualifying back uh, this season? I'm so excited about that. It, it is, and I, and I already watched, uh, mentioned last night, a couple of practice sessions. We'll have qualifying later on tonight, and then uh, some more practice sessions this weekend leading into the races. Uh, one thing here for the, the Daytona 500, uh, again, that's such a special event. I'm going to take a little close look at some featured matchups uh, that fans can be betting on heading into this weekend's uh, event. Uh, we'll start with Denny Hamlin versus Joey Logano. You got two of the strongest drivers at Daytona and Talladega over the past half decade or so as they square off in a heavyweight battle on super speed of super speedway supremacy to kick off the 22 season in Daytona. The two drivers notably were among the strongest cars in the draft during off season next gen testing at Daytona, uh, nearly wrecked each other at one point during the test actually. Now Hamlin is a plus 800 in the current outright betting favorite to win the 500 while Logano at plus 900 has the second shortest odds on the board. And these are per bet MGM. Uh, if you want to check it out, if you happen to be a gambling betting fan. Now the next one to look at uh, this one, I don't know if it has to do with Daytona, but has to do with history and that's Chase Elliott versus Kevin Harvick. Now they infamously tangled numerous times throughout the 2021 NASCAR cup series playoffs making them an easy matchup to follow heading into the start of the 2022 season. Both drivers are among the favorites to win the 500, as Elliott is plus 1,000 and is tied for the third shortest odds to win, while Kevin Harvick is plus 1,600, just behind at the seventh shortest odds. And we got Austin Dillon and Bubba Wallace. Now, this matchup pits two drivers who have proven to be super speedway specialists in recent years, as both uh, Dillon in 18 at Daytona and Wallace in 21 at Talladega earned recent wins in key super speedway races that elevated their stock on the sport's largest track. Now, both drivers are major factors throughout last year's speed weeks, with Dillon and Wallace notably finishing first and second in the second dual race for the 2021 Daytona 500. In the last matchup here, uh, Sharon mentioned it, Michael McDowell and Justin Haley. You got a battle of the underdogs is kind of the theme for this final matchup, as last year's shock Daytona 500 uh, winner Michael McDowell finds himself matched with pseudo Cup rookie, because uh, he's run a lot of races, but it's his first full time season, so he will be a rookie. Uh, but he is a super speedway specialist, Justin Haley. Now Haley enters Speed Weeks of 2022 as a trendy long shot, as he enters his first full time Cup season with a bevy of super speedway credentials already to his name. We've got four NASCAR, series, NASCAR Xfinity Series super speedway wins and one Cup Series super speedway win, which came in 19 at the Daytona Summer Race. Now McDowell enters the weekend again looking to defend his surprise win in the 21 edition of the Great American Race. Uh, the stats suggesting he has a good shot at doing so. He enters the race with the eighth highest average finish uh, since February of 2019 on super speedways. So, again, a little bit of well, betting odds there if you want to we, look on some things to uh, put your money on. Yeah, we're probably not going to have time to elaborate going forward, Jay, we're, and we're going to have to do the Reader's Digest version because we have a ton of stuff to cover here in the Cup Series. 
Uh, the Rookie of the Year class this season had three divers to battle it out, uh, including Harrison Burton, Austin Cedric, and Todd Gilliland. Uh, Harrison is with Wood Brothers Racing in the historic number 21 Ford. His crew chief is Brian Wilson, and this is going to be Burton's first try at the Daytona 500. Team Penske's Austin Cedric uh, will fill the vacated number two Ford with crew chief Jeremy Bowens on his pit box. Cedric made his 500 debut last year when he finished in the top 15. Front Row Motorsports has Todd Gilliland. He's jumping into that number 38 Ford with crew chief Seth Barber this weekend, and it is his first appearance in the Daytona 500. All right, we'll cover the next section real quick. Then we talk about first-time cup winners at Daytona. Uh, we've seen it happen multiple times, highlighted by Michael uh, McDowell last season. Just to give the names, Tiny Lund, Mario Andretti, Pete Hamilton, Derek Cope, Sterling Marlin, Michael Waltrip, and Trevor Brain are the others on that list. Okay. Michael McDowell is uh, hoping to join Sterling Marlin in a very rare achievement uh, with Front Row Motorsports. Uh, McDowell's returning to Daytona as the defending Daytona 500 winner, and uh, he's hoping to add his name to the list of multiple winners. If he does that this weekend, he joins Sterling Marlin, who did it twice in 94 and 95 as just the second driver in series history to score their first two wins at Daytona. Uh, Last year's uh, Daytona 500 was McDowell's first Cup Series win in 358 starts and the second most in the series history by a driver before their first win behind Michael Waltrip, who had 463 starts before he won the 2001 500. Now this season, McDowell has a new crew chief on top of his pit box, Blake Harris. Uh, will crew chief for the number 3014 this year. Well, I mentioned how any victory at Daytona is huge, but the Great American Race is the biggest of them all. Uh, it's the biggest race in NASCAR and holds a very special place in any driver's heart uh, to pick up that, uh, I can't think of the name now, uh, the Daytona 500 trophy, <laughs> it's not coming to me, sorry. Um, yeah. But undoubtedly, this race is going to bring all the action and excitement we've known to come to love and anticipate. In total, only 40 different drivers have won a Daytona 500, and uh, of the 40, six are active this weekend. Denny Hamlin has three victories in 2016, 19, and 20. Michael McDowell, the most recent in 2021. Austin Dillon in 18, Kurt Busch in 17, Joey Logano in 15, and Kevin Harvick in 2007. Get the names of some that uh, holds some other victories. NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty leads the series with 500 victories with seven. His father, Lee, won the inaugural in 1959. Uh, we mentioned Michael McDowell. Danny Hamlin is, uh, leads all active drivers with the three. And Lee Petty won the inaugural in 1959. Then mentioned that Trevor Bain in 2011, and they are the only two drivers to win the Daytona 500 in their first appearance, Lee Petty and Trevor Bain. So that's a record they hold and share amongst themselves. 
Okay. We mentioned that qualifying will be taking place tonight on Fox Sports 1, and uh, you'll want to watch that. That will take place at uh, the full qualifying starts at 8 o'clock Eastern time tonight on Fox Sports 1. Now, that will determine the uh, top two drivers on the front row for the Daytona 500, but it's the duels that determines the rest of the field in the lineup. So the duels will be taking place tomorrow night, Thursday, uh, February the 17th at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Uh, It's two 60-lap, 100-mile qualifying races, and the qualifiers are divided up evenly between each duel depending on their qualifying position. So uh, there are 42 teams vying for 40 spots. 36 of those spots are already taken by charter teams. Six spots are there for the open teams, and the open teams this year uh, are Beards Motorsports, number 62, with Noah Gregson, TMT's number 50 with Kaz Growler, MBM Motorsports, number 66 with Timmy Hill, the number 55 with driver J.J. Yaley's, uh, New York Racing Team's number 44 with driver Greg Biffle and Team Hesseberg's number 27 with driver Jacques Villeneuve. So a total of 43 drivers have won uh, the duels led by the Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt with 12 victories each. Uh, Ten active drivers have won at least one the dual events led by Joe Gibbs Racing uh, driver Denny Hamlin. He did it in 2008, 14, and 17. I'm not going to go through all of those, but from 72 to 2004, the duels were scheduled for 50 laps each, and during that time frame, eight of the duels had a driver lead 100% of the laps from flag to flag. That uh, is led by NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Waltrip. He was the first to accomplish the feat in 1988, and he was later joined by Dale Earnhardt, who did it in 91 and 98. So, uh, uh, again, uh, the race was moved to 60 laps in 2005, and ever since then, the driver, uh, the most the driver has led in any dual event since then is 86.8. 7% was 52 of the laps of the uh, scheduled 60, and that was by Eric Almarola, who did that just the last year. So a lot to look forward to uh, with these duels tomorrow night. Well, and I'll try and recap, uh, tie in there uh, of how this all works. Daytona qualifying, obviously very unique. Um, so we look at qualifying uh, tomorrow night on uh, FS1. First off, uh, we're looking at seven former Daytona 500 pole winners entered in the event. Uh, Chase Elliott from 16 and 17, Bowman in 18 and 21, Austin Dillon in 14, Martin Truex in 09, Stenhouse from 2020, William Byron from 2019, and Greg Biffle from 04. They'll once again try to lock themselves in on the front row. Uh, the importance of that, here's how it breaks down. The fastest two drivers in qualifying are locked into the Daytona 500. Um, the other charter teams are as well, but they'll have to figure out their starting spot during the dual races. Um, the pole position is the most proficient starting position in the Daytona 500 field as it has produced more, more winners of nine than any other position. So those front two get locked into that start uh, front row starting positions uh, from qualifying. 
from there, all the other drivers got to run through the duel, and that's how they start their starting positions. See if where I find this. Here we go. Uh, again, single clock, single car time uh, will be later on tonight, 8:05 Eastern, and it's on FS1, MRN, as well as Sirius XM Radio. This year, it will have two rounds with the top 10 qualifiers in round one moving on to the second round. Then the fastest two cars in round two will lock in as the front row starters for Sunday's Daytona 500. Uh, February 20th, it'll be at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Again, F, uh, Fox, MRN, and Sirius XM radio coverage. Now, the rest of the starting grid decided by the duels. The single car qualifying results will set up lineups for the blue-green vacation duels races, which will be on Thursday night. Cars finishing first, third, fifth, odd-numbered positions during that will be in duel one. Even numbers, they'll run in duel number two. Then the results from those blue-green vacation duels, that sets the rest of the lineup for the Daytona 500. Finishers from duel one line up on the inside row. Duel number two set the outside row. With this case, we do have more than 40 cars, uh, so this will come into play. The two fastest open cars without a charter in single car qualifying will be locked in as well, regardless of Thursday's dual results. The final two spots of that 40-car field, that'll be the best finishers of each of the qualifying races. So during the duels, one car, that unchartered team, the highest finishing one will lock in out of both duels. Then you go back to the fastest two unchartered or unqualified fastest qualifiers. So I know Larry McReynolds has a big spiel he'll do. I'm sure he'll start it tonight. Uh, the <laughs> Daytona 500 qualifying, you know, that's a, that's a whole concept in and of itself. Right. Uh, I'm going to add just uh, a little bit of information here, and then we'll get into uh, new faces and new places, and we'll share that segment. Uh, but this week there are seven former 500 pole winners that are entered in the event. Chase Elliott did it in 16 and 17, Alex Bowman in 18 and 21, Austin Dillon in 2014, Martin Truex in 09, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, in 2020, uh, William Byron in 19, Greg Biffle in 2004. And they're all going to try to lock themselves in to that front row again. So, uh, uh, next, we'll share this next segment, Jay. Uh, but there's uh, new co- new faces in new places. So uh, we'll start with the uh, 2004 Las Vegas native, Kurt Busch. Uh, he joined a new team this season uh, at 42 years of age. He's bringing his expertise over to 2311 Racing, uh, number 45 Toyota team with crew chief Billy Scott. Uh, it's a seven-difficult organization that he's driven for. Uh, joining, uh, he's been you with Rock Fenway, Keselowski Racing, Team Kensky, Phoenix Racing, Furniture Row Racing, Stuart Hawes Racing, Chip Ganassi Racing. He also won the Daytona 500 in 2017, and he's looking to become the 13th different driver in the series history to win multiple Daytona 500s. You want to take the next paragraph, Jay? All right. Uh, Trackhouse uh, Racing, their acquisition no, of Chip Brad Ganassi. Ra- oh, Keselowski. I'm sorry. I skipped one. You're right. All right. Brad Keselowski, now he joins uh, Roush Fenway Racing. That's what leads to the vacancy in the number two. Uh, he's in the process of, 
of purchase and ownership stake in the company. Starting in 22, the organization has been rebranded as the Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing, RFK Racing. Now, the 2012 NASCAR Cup Series champion, he'll pilot the number six with True Chief uh, Matt McCall on the box. He's looking for his first Daytona victory, one of the last few jewels left to add to his crown of achievement in the sport. Uh, Great American Race's best finish is third, coming back in 2014. And I'll tie that in here with that vacancy then in the number two Ford at Team Penske. Now, that provides yeah, a perfect well, opportunity. Wait, that's me. We're going every other paragraph, oh. Jay. Okay. Uh, filling that vacancy, as Jay started to mention there, in, in that number two Ford at Team Penske is last year's champion in the Xfinity Series, Austin Sendrick. He's going to take his next step into the Cup Series. He's the son of uh, Team Penske's president, Tim Sendrick, and will be driving that number four, number two got Ford uh, with the guidance of Jeremy Bowens. He made his Cup Series debut last year in the Daytona 500. He started 39th and raced his way up to 15th place. So you've got the next one. <laughs> All right, talking about Trackhouse Racing, they had the acquisition of Chip Ganassi Racing Assets at the conclusion of the 2021 season, and they expanded to a two-car team and signed Ross Chastain for the newly formed number one. Uh, Chastain will be working with crew chief Phil Surgeon this season. The pair will make their debut this weekend as both look for their first Daytona 500 victory. And Chastain has made three Daytona 500 starts, posted a career best finish of seventh coming in last year's race. Okay, another graduate this year into the Cup Series is Harrison Burton, a second-generation driver who spent the last two years at Joe Gibbs in the Xfinity Series, where he earned Rookie of the Honors in 2020 and made the playoffs both of those seasons. Now this 21-year-old will have a shot uh, driving for Wood Brothers in the 21 Ford with crew chief Brian Wilson. Uh, Burton made his Cup Series debut last year at Talladega. He started 39th and finished 20th, and this weekend will be his first attempt at the Daytona 500. Another one following in father's footsteps, uh, David Gillen's got Todd Gillen coming along, taking the reins of the number 38 Ford for Front Row Motorsports in 2022. Gillen has spent three full-time seasons competing in the Camping World Truck Series. He'll be uh, working with crew chief Seth Barber, and this will be his series career debut at Daytona this weekend. Okay, College Racing is jumping into the Cup Series full-time this year, and they have a rotation of three drivers piloting the number 31 Chevrolet this season. Uh, Justin Haley, A.J. Allmendinger, I'm sorry, Justin Haley will be in the 31, but there will be a rotation of drivers in the number 16 with A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Hemrick, Noah Gregson sharing the seat time in that number 16. Um, uh, and making a big splash into the Cup Series after winning at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course in their first part-time season in the series. And then one last group to keep your eye on. Uh, we'll, we'll give this one to Mike. We'll, we'll say Mike's reading this one. <laughs> the Money Team Racing, TMT Racing, newly formed race team by boxing, le- boxing legend uh, Floyd Mayweather, uh, they're going to have Tony Uri as the crew chief and Kaz Grala as the driver of the number 50 
And the team is looking to make their series debut this weekend at Daytona. And then don't forget about the Biff, and we'll talk about that here coming up in Hot Topics. Yes. Uh, Just to kind of uh, do the headlines of the next three segments here, uh, this weekend is going to be all about that next-gen car. We watched it race on a short track at the uh, L.A. Coliseum. This week we're going to see it race on the super speedway. So that's going to be exciting for not just uh, the drivers, but it's going to be exciting for the fans as well. Also, the schedule is also shaken up in the Cup Series this year, uh, starting with the race at the L.A. Coliseum for the Bush White Clash. Uh, but there's some other changes to the schedule as well. I'm going to encourage you to go to NASCAR.com and check that schedule for all the different uh, new tracks that are going to be on the schedule this year. And then uh, some drivers uh, coming into this year, uh, with some momentum from the L.A. Clash, uh, Front Row Motorsports, of course, Michael McDowell is the defending winner of the 2021 Daytona 500, uh, getting his first victory last year at Daytona. Uh, but uh, Ryan Blaney also grabbed his first victory at Daytona in August last year. So Joey Logano has momentum coming off the checkered flag at the uh, L.A. Coliseum. Uh, his second victory in the exhibition points-paying event. So uh, that's going to be fun to watch uh, what happens at Daytona this, uh, with all the excitement building up. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to our NASCAR Hot Topics uh, for this year. Uh, but to start off our Hot Topics segment, Jay, I think I am going to kind of encourage us to uh, cover our Stamper Racing Fantasy Group. All right. Well, it started off with the clash, and uh, Brian joining us uh, back again this year. It's jumped in and let him have a free pick. Normally, we're not allowed to pick the same driver, but he picked Joey Logano, as I already had, and uh, both picked up nine points there. So that's our first race, and it sets out me and Brian at nine. Then we'll drop down to... Sharon, you had six uh, as the next one down. Tommy got five points, 0-4. And and we had a couple of rough uh, situations there. Uh, Sam with three, Mike with two, and James one, and Andy zero. I believe those were the last three or four finishers in that race. And give an update here, as that's the first race we've gotten points for. The duels, we're going to get points for both of the duels. Uh, we got some picks coming in for that. And I know James, while I was chatting with him, gave me his picks. I was going to pull those up real quick. Uh, for the duels, at least to start with, depending on qualifying, he's going with Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch. Brian had already taken uh, – I'm sorry, Andy took Eric Almirola and Kurt Busch. Brian has to go last back there at the end with me. So right now, looking for qualifying and then the duels. Uh, Andy has Eric Elmerola and Kurt Busch. Blaney has taken, or uh, James took Blaney and Kyle Busch. I mentioned earlier a couple, a couple of them uh, for the truck series. Tommy took Matt, Matt DiBenedetto, and Brian took Grant Enfinger. James took John Hunter Nemechek. So yeah, they weren't my favorite um, in the Xfinity series. There, Brian took A.J. Allmendinger, and James was second there, and he took Austin Hill. I know he always liked to take Austin Hill in the trucks. He's taken him in the Xfinity Series. So we'll get a few more drivers added here 
probably right after the show as we get ready for qualifying tonight. And I'll get some stuff posted up about that of where we're at with our picks heading into this big Daytona weekend. Yes, indeed. I'm going to be uh, definitely uh, in front of the TV tonight watching qualifying. I um, We have a big snowstorm coming in after midnight tonight. So uh, tomorrow is going to be uh, fun to sit in front of the TV again watching the duels. <laughs> Well, but believe it or not, and I think I think it was last weekend uh, going into the clash, we had the threat of it. Uh, I know there were some within a, two, a couple hours of us here in Mississippi that had snow. Yeah, we had some cold temperatures and some heavy frost on the ground, but we didn't get snow this year. Okay. Also, uh, I just want to mention to everybody, there is a lot coming through on my email here today uh, from Media Day at Daytona. Uh, I obviously was not able to be there, but there is a lot going on at Daytona for Media Day. So uh, you can look for some articles coming out uh, with previews from some of the drivers uh, based on their comments on Media Day today. So uh, a lot to look forward to there as well. Okay. Let's go ahead and uh, get into... um, our hot topics for today. And Jay, I'm going to let you lead off with the first hot topic. Well, I imagine some of the, uh, some of the uh, interviews there from media day are going to tie into last night's practice. Uh, I know we ran mm-hmm. the, this car already here at the, the Coliseum, but obviously completely different when it comes to that. So just kind of the general reaction of the cars, the next gen car, um, I know it's kind of a broad topic, but the next-gen car, how it performed at Daytona as well as the Clash, and then some of the things that the, the drivers have mentioned that have changed. Uh, did you get a chance to watch practice last night? You know, I, I had it on the TV, but I'm a multitasker, so I can't say that I had all of my attention. Uh, but I, I, I kind of casually listened to it uh, as I was doing other things. <laughs> Okay, some of the things that the drivers said they, that were different um, and how that affects what we expect for the season, I guess, is what I'm looking at. Uh, you know, I know Kevin Harvick's already been one, and he was one that I, I saw his uh, post-practice uh, interview um, uh, of how the car handled the bouncing. Uh, there was a lot of bouncing. And then the bumpers matching up as far as the bump drafting, which I think is going to be a huge change this year. And – Overall, with the new car, of how we think it's going to play out for all the teams uh, throughout the season. Okay, so they're saying the bump drafting is going to be different because of why? Well, the the shape of the nose, uh, if you compare it to last year, uh, what was it, Toyotas that had the more rounded, everybody else has kind of had a point to it. And so that's kind of been changed on all the cars this year. And then there's foam packed into both the rear bumper and the front nose piece um, that gives them a little more. I'm trying to think of how, how I know Kevin Harvick was one of them. You can't feel it as much uh, as you used to in the past. You don't even know kind of when you get to that car because they're both soft on both ends, both the, that cushion on the back bumper and then the front bumper of the new car. So I think there is going to be some changes yeah. to that. And we didn't see any wrecks. I was I, sorry. I'm getting into what I my take from practice, but 
Uh, we, I didn't didn't see any wrecks either, though. So we'll see if that continues through qualifying the duels and into the final practices. Yeah, I will say uh, one thing I noticed at the clash is that with the composite body cars, uh, they can take a lot more beating and banging uh, than what we're accustomed to. So for the short tracks, that's really good news. Uh, and now it didn't mean that we didn't see cars get banged up pretty bad, but uh, with the snap-on parts, that's all good. Now I say that to kind of precursor the fact that we've been talking also about the uh, supply chain issues that have been taking place within NASCAR that has led to only one car available for the Daytona 500. That means that these drivers have to drive it for the practices. They have to drive that one car for qualifying for the two dual races and for the Daytona 500. So uh, that's a lot of racing for just one car. Now, NASCAR has said that they're prepared, uh, but one of the good things about this car is that if they do have a mishap, a lot of these pieces can just be taken off and snapped back into place, and it looks just like new, and it's a very quick changeover. Now, the question is how many of those parts do they have available to snap into place if there is an unfortunate uh, situation that happens. Therefore, I do think that some of the racing this weekend will be a bit more tame than what we usually see for uh, the duels and for the Daytona 500 and qualifying for that matter as well. So um, uh, I think that is going to have a huge difference in how these drivers race as well. But you, you bring up a good point, too, about those bumpers, um, uh, the fact that they can't feel that. There, there, there should be something that lets them know, besides the spotter, that lets them know uh, that they're getting a little close there on that bumper. Yeah, those bumpers can probably handle a little bit more, but what's going to happen is if they're not exactly matching up in the way that you're talking about, Jay, uh, it's going to be easy to turn cars when you're trying to bump draft with them as well. So that's going to be something that we'll have to watch for uh, this weekend. I think they're going to be uh, extra cautious about it, but it is something to watch for, uh, I think, uh, in qualifying tonight as well as the duels. Uh, the remaining practices, and the Daytona 500 uh, on Sunday. Well, and, and you hit on it, but there's a key follow-up to that of once the driver puts the helmet on and it's race time, it's all different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an interview that uh, on Sirius XM, Rick Rare was on and talked about that, of especially racing the duels, the position they're in, the alliance they have with Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, they got cars prepared for Daytona, uh, but the, like you mentioned, they don't necessarily have a full backup car ready. So the question propo- proposed to Rick Ware was, you're locked in, it's a matter of starting position, so how hard does Cody Ware uh, fight during the duels to uh, race his way up and get a better starting position? And Rick said, well, the plan is this, you know, save the car, get in the 500, have a good showing there, he said, but once a racer starts racing, plans go out the window. So uh, <laughs> the duels, <laughs> you're right. I think we will be a little, yeah, a little cautious maybe. And it always seems like the first one versus the second one. 
as drivers watch the first one and see what they did, they're like, okay, we can take it a little bit further. We know what we can do, or we think we know what we can do, and then it doesn't quite happen. Um, going back to the clash, there are some good things. Like you said, there was bumping and banging. The side rubbing, I think, is a huge factor. Uh, you don't get that bent sheet metal that tends to cut tires and have tire issues. Um, so I think that's a huge thing as well when it comes to the side rubbing and racing. Now, the, the bump, bump drafting, and they, they showed this on one of them. Yeah, there was some scuff marks, and I want to say it was Ricky Stenhouse and somebody else that, that were doing the bump drafting. Um, but you didn't have the bent sheet metal, again, folded up under it where it caves in, and then you're actually get, not just bumping them, you're tucking up under them. And that's what, part of what causes that problem, as you said, of then when you get to them, you're turning them because you're not flat bumping. Uh, and then Kevin Harvick mm-hmm. talked about this year of having more of a straight or rounded bumper that matches up to the bumper versus the points that uh, they had last year, which that's where they ran into a lot of problems. And like you mentioned, you think you're hitting them right, but it's just a little bit off center and it hooks them instead of uh, pushes them. So I think uh, yet during the duels, I think we'll see a little bit more of that practice, but as drivers get more comfortable with it, they're going to get more confidence and then try and push a little bit more. And that's where we always run into the problem. You know, they want that just a little bit more. If this works, we can try a little bit more and finding that line this year. But what I took from it was drivers like Kevin Harvick. um, I think Kyle Busch maybe in his interview talked about it. You know, they're learning. They're adjusting to how the car handles, especially at Daytona, a little bit different. The feel of the car is different. So that advantage that your super speedway experience had, drivers that have the super speedway experience, I think has kind of gone away. And that was the overall intent of the next-gen car was to level the playing field. And I think it's done a huge thing with that so far, as we did see at the Clash, getting different quarter-mile track, but we saw some different names and teams up front running with these top four car teams. So I think that's a huge thing to look forward to, not just for this Daytona 500 and this weekend, but for the entire season. Absolutely. You know, a couple other things to kind of keep in mind that were changes this year, not only was the body different, but the uh, wheels are bigger and uh, they have one lug nut. So the pit stops are going to be quite a bit different. And I'm going to be really looking to see how that plays out um, on on the track uh, for pit stops this year with that one lug nut. Now, you'll remember a few years ago when they changed the lug nut gun, the air gun that they were using to change the lug nuts, uh, there were a lot of problems. So these teams, as you mentioned, Jay, are learning a whole new way of doing business here. And uh, this looking at, uh, we are going to see uh, that play out on Pitt Road this week at Daytona uh, with that one lug nut. But I think those bigger tires are going to be a good thing. I think it's going to give them more grip on the track. And uh, I, I think it's going to help them get to that comfort level that you mentioned, that once they get to that comfort level, they'll kind of push the envelope maybe just a little bit more. Um, but... Um, uh, the bigger tires are going to give them more grip, I think, on the track. At least that's my hope. 
Well, and you hit on a key thing that I don't think we've talked about at all yet, but you're, you're right about the pit stops. This is going to be the first uh, in-race action. Uh, I'm sure these teams have been doing so much practice with these single lug nut tires, but this will be the first in-race action that we're going to see with the pit stops and these pit crews working with this single, uh, single lug nut pit stops. Now, they're projecting that as the teams uh, develop it and get accustomed to it, we're going to see some mind-blowing pit stop times from what we're used to. Uh, it, it'll be new to this, this uh, style of lug nut, the, the one lug nut, but the times that we've seen in the past are going to keep dropping, just as they did even on four tire, or five lug nuts and four tires. The drops we're going to see in that are going to be really interesting to watch and see there again how these teams uh, develop, how quickly they, they grow with that and, and deal with that. Uh, the other thing, you mentioned the, the wider tires. There, there are so many changes this year, uh, and I can't, I can't give credit to who is talking about it because I, I don't remember from the broadcast, but all of the changes this year, as they said, are more invisible. In years past, when, when NASCAR is trying to change the aero, they did it with the – Side rail on the car, the um, trying to think of the, the fender on the on the back and the fin, and we you know one year we had the wing. This year, all of the stuff that they did to change it is underneath, under both under the front air dam as well as the back. And I can't remember the term they used for it, but it's a plastic uh, piece that basically is keeping there under the car instead of on top for the downforce. And that affects then, too, what they, what they call, always call the dirty air for the car behind them. So the, a lot of different interesting things that are going to happen. It's obviously more pronounced at the super speedways, but we will also see when we get to the mile-and-a-half uh, tracks that we go to, as that always does still play a factor, with the exception of the very short tracks like Martinsville and the Coliseum. Uh, there it's just a matter of bumping and banging and, and working your way to the front. Yes, uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch uh, this entire weekend. Uh, this new car, I think, has brought a lot of energy and enthusiasm, uh, not just for the seasoned NASCAR fans, uh, but for the um, new fans that are coming in. And I will say, I got a kick out of Mike Joy. I did hear him say this. He says, "I was not a proponent of moving the number forward the way that they did, but now that I've seen him on the track." It looks great. I like it. Let's move on from that topic. <laughs> uh, the new numbers uh, uh, look very, very good on the new cars. Uh, okay, I'll jump in there. I know I'm one that was kind of uh, said it didn't matter. I personally don't think they look good, but as Mike <laughs> said, funny. it doesn't. Yeah, no, I, I really don't. I, I actually, that's one where I kind of move towards Mike. I, I don't particularly like the looks of it, but I also understand it, as they talked about, it's better for the sponsors. Uh, that's what they wanted. They found that compromise. I'm not going to raise any kind of heck about it, but no, I actually don't think they look good, but does that affect how they race on the track? That's what I look at and want to see. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Mike. I kind of let it go. But uh, the fact that you said they look good and he was saying they look good, I don't think they look good, but I still don't care because it doesn't affect how they race. <laughs> exactly. That's where I've been from the very beginning. Uh, but actually, I think it makes the car look very racy. 
uh, and and uh, I kind of like the idea that it looks a little more modern too. Uh, you know, it brings it to me. It kind of brings it into this new generation of sports that uh, NASCAR is leading us into, uh, and I, I like it. So, but that's just me. Um, but uh, what's our next top topic, Jay? Well, okay, we talked about uh, of new teams um, being more competitive or leveling the play- playing field. We'll start there, leveling the play- playing field. And I know Mike uh, isn't here to eat his crow, but uh, we've gone back and forth on Twitter on a couple of them. The money team is there uh, with Kaz Grala, as well as New York Racing with Greg Biffle. Um, I don't think uh, the NY Racing team is planning on full year. I don't know about the money teams. But they are there and they're trying to race their way in. Do we see more of that? And what advantage of it is this new car with that, as well as then them having a chance to really compete? Uh, how far is it going to level the playing field? Well, there's always going to be the haves and the have-nots. But I will say that this next-generation car has uh, brought the cost down for all teams, not just the top money teams, but uh, for all teams. The underfunded teams are closer in parity. There's always going to be a little bit of a discrepancy there, but I, I do think that the cream is going to rise to the top, uh, and we're going to see just how talented some of these underfunded teams are uh, behind the wheel of, of cars that haven't been able to compete with the big money teams in the past. Uh, and we saw it at the clash. Uh, teams that you don't normally see racing up front were up there uh, racing right at the front at the clash. And I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see that at Daytona as well. And I love that idea. Uh, it's fun watching Michael uh, McDowell come back and be uh, the defending winner of the Daytona 500. He won last year. He's good on the super speedways. Um, but this is going to be another opportunity to see some of these underfunded teams uh, come back and really be competitive. And uh, everybody likes to cheer for the un- Underdog, and I think we're going to be doing a lot of that this season, uh, where we see some of the underdogs outperforming some some of the veterans, and we saw that also at uh, the Clash at the Coliseum. Uh, some of the drivers that we expected to do very very well uh, really struggled, and and some of those drivers are good on short tracks. So, so um, uh, I know Tony Stewart at one point said a monkey could drive a car um, at the Daytona 500. Uh, so with this new car that uh, is going to be on the track this weekend, I think we're going to see a lot of these drivers uh, that we don't normally see at the front uh, up there continuing for the win uh, when those final laps wind down. What are your thoughts? Yeah, two things there. Of uh, First off, you're talking about that right now, I think, is the best opportunity for these uh, underfunded teams or not some of the mega teams to capitalize because eventually the cream is going to rise to the top. Uh, so we saw this, and I, I think back to the introduction of the, the Camaro for Chevrolet, the ZL21, 
Mm-hmm. Even Hendrick Motorsports struggled with it, but they figured it out, and they went out and won a championship here last year. So during this time when these other teams maybe are, are not as quick on top of it, which we're still going to see some of them that I think are, um, as they are top Joey teams Lugano. for a reason. <laughs> yeah, Joey Logano, one of them come to mind. I think you're going to see uh, Denny Hamlin when it comes to the, to the Daytona 500 be a factor. So you're still going to have those top names, but you're going to sprinkle in. Uh, these other names as we get through the season see more of that but I think when we get to and I say even six to ten races in maybe all the way to mid-season that's where it's going to you're going to find out uh, first off the mega teams or the top teams where they're at in their game if they're if they've got it nailed down and back on their game and then if these other teams uh have really figured it out or if they were just taking advantage of the, the fact that the other teams had so I say, I say about 10 races in as we've gone through the variety of tracks, uh, then we're going to really mm-hmm. start to see the field separate, like you said, the haves and the haves nots, which is going to happen. And we may see a team like, and I'm going to use college racing, um, that really does have it. You know, we saw them win a race last year already on a part-time schedule. Uh, they're full-time now. Uh, you know, that one's got a question mark. I, at GMS, we've seen them build their program through the truck series and some Xfinity, see how they come out. By 10 races in, we're going to know if they really have it figured out or if they were just in the right position at the right time, you know, under the right circumstances in these first few races. Well, and I'm going to say it right here, right now. Don't be surprised if we don't see rookies outperforming uh, this weekend at Daytona. You've got Harrison Burton in that uh, 21 Wood Brothers. We know they've won Daytona 500s. You've got Austin Cindric in a Team Penske number two. You know that car is capable of winning uh, a Daytona 500. And these are young drivers. Do they have youth on their side? They are going to adapt to this new car a lot more quickly than I think some of the cup drivers will. Now, we know that Cup Series is is a steep learning curve. But I think that often Cindric and uh, Harrison Burton and possibly even Jesse Oluji will see, these guys are all going to have the advantage of, of youth on their side when it comes to this season's learning curve uh, in the Cup Series. And I think they are going to adapt very, very quickly to this new car. Uh, I might be eating my words. Uh, and some crow like Mike is doing today with the, the new teams that are coming in. But I really think the rookies are going to uh, outperform uh, and do very, very well this weekend at Daytona. All right, Sharon, stay with me for a minute here while I ask you a question. I'll, I'll pull it back to racing, but how many planets are there? Uh, well, it, that's disputable, but uh, somewhere between eight and nine. <laughs> Okay. Now, here's the thing. You mentioned that the rookies uh, being having an advantage. They don't know anything different. All they know exactly. is this. Another, an older driver, uh, an experienced driver, has to unlearn something. You know, just a, And I use that for that example because when somebody asks me, I still say nine because I have to unlearn something. I'm not learning something new or adding. I have to <laughs> unlearn something. So some of these drivers, right. yeah, have to unlearn some things and say, okay, this is different. What I did before isn't going to work. Whereas these new drivers don't have to go through that. 
So I think you're right. I think that is a spot where that does give the advantage to a new driver, a rookie driver, or a less experienced driver because they're not battling that of trying to do something that worked in another car or, or time frame. Um, the other thing that, that you hit on there, though, and it goes back to the cream rising to the top uh, and Tony Stewart's comment that even a monkey can drive the car at Daytona, with what I saw in practice and the drivers talking about how that car handled, it's, going, it's putting it back in the driver's hands. Uh, you know, and we've heard yeah. that at several races anyway in the past with the, the car the way it was, was, yeah, it was driving itself and you were just kind of guiding it. I think we're going to see that back to you have to wheel the race car. And then you're, you, you put several drivers at the top of that list where that, that's what they're there for. That's why they're there because they can jump in any car. And i got, got to use Kyle Busch. I mean, have we seen a vehicle he cannot get in and wheel? Uh, the returning Grant Biffle, I think that's maybe part of what drew him back, is that that was his style of racing was manhandle the vehicle. So mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does it in his return and how much more opportunity he gets. Uh, I hope this does lead to some new things for uh, for Greg Biffle. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, uh, have, have you seen a comparison of the weight of this car compared to the Gen 6 car? Is it lighter than the Gen 6? You know, I don't know. I don't know if the weight thing was a comparison, and I don't know what the weight, the differential is, um, if it actually yeah, is like lighter now or not. I'd like to compare the Xfinity car, too. Yeah, that, that, I don't was, have that information, Sharon. No, okay. Yeah, because that, that I think, uh, is something to factor into all of this as well, because it makes it a little bit less of an adjustment if it's closer to the weight of the Xfinity car because uh, I think one of the big uh, difficulties for Xfinity drivers coming into Cup uh, is that they, they're, they're handling the, the weight of that uh, Cup car, which was so much heavier than, than the other cars that they've driven. <clears throat> Well, it's certainly, certainly going to be interesting. All these factors, and, and again, each oh, track is going to be a little bit... Quick. Let okay, me make go an ahead. announcement here real quick. We're going to go off the yep. air at exactly 12 noon today. However, Jay and I will continue to talk uh, for a little while anyway after that time frame, and you can hear the rest of that conversation on our podcast. I'll go out on Twitter and let you know that the podcast is available, and then you can fast forward, although this is a podcast, so it's not going to be an issue for anybody, is it? You'll be able to listen straight through. I just happened to think about that. But in case anybody is listening, uh, just know that the podcast will have the full conversation, and uh, I'll post it on Twitter when it's available. Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah, it's a, to me, the, the, the interesting thing is we're going to see this uh, adaptation throughout, like I said, about 10 races till we get to each different mm -hmm. track because it's not one thing of, of how it's going to handle. It's going to be how it handles differently on a road course, how it handles differently on the quarter mile and what you can do with the car on those tracks. So it's not just a one-time thing and figure it out. It is going to be for each track. Um, so that's why I say about 10 races in, I think, is where we're really going to see the the separation of the haves and the have-nots. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go to the next hot topic, Jay, if you want to go ahead and right. talk about that, because I'm kind of multitasking again. 
Okay. Um, scrolling through the list here, we have – I want to pull it up here. Drivers Advisory Council. Um, and I actually heard this uh, interview with Jeff Burton. The NASCAR Cup competitors form a Drivers Advisory Council, and it's going to be led by former competitor Jeff Burton. Uh, let's see. Council, which has current and former Cup drivers, the board of directors for the council, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin, Corey LaJoy, Joey Logano, Kyle Petty, and Daniel Suarez. And then, as I said, uh, Jeff Burton will be the director of the council. And it relates to of having open communication with NASCAR, track operators, industry stakeholders, among others, as the key initiative. So that's their focus. So what what we think on that, uh, I know it's kind of been tried before in the past, but see how this goes. What's your thoughts on that? Well, Jeff Burton is uh, finally called the mayor of NASCAR, and so I think this is a perfect role for him as on the Drivers Advisory Council. He's been uh, very much involved with, uh, I wish Andy was here because he and I are both Jeff Burton fans from way back when, and uh, uh, so this is kind of cool news for us to see Jeff Burton taking this next step here. Um, I I think Jeff will do a really good job. He he, he listens very well. Uh, he knows how to articulate very well. So I can see him taking uh, feedback from all of the drivers and, and people in the industry and being able to articulate that uh, so that it can be addressed and, and uh, uh, people can negotiate what's going to be best for the, for the uh, industry. Uh, when drivers bring some of their concerns uh, to this council. Um, I like the array of drivers that they have in this group. I think it was a well-thought-out group uh, with uh, drivers uh, like Corey LaJoy uh, being a part of this group and Daniel Suarez uh, being a part of this group. I think the only one that might be missing might be um, uh, Bubba Wallace. But, uh, you know, they're going to stagger the terms of the drivers that are on this council so that they have some continuity. And I think that's another good decision of this council uh, is the continuity of drivers and and the ability for drivers uh, to come and go on this council without losing a core group of drivers uh, to carry on the continuity of the group. But yeah, I think, I think Burton is a, is a great choice. Jeff Burton is going to do a good job in that role. I think, um, uh, for all the reasons that I've indicated before. And uh, I think the other thing that's going to be good here and, and the thing, the challenge that he's going to be having is that for some drivers, uh, that tension builds up. Uh, and so, you know, how do you put the water on a fire versus adding more oil to it? So I, I do think uh, that Jeff Burton will be a good driver to be able to uh, – talk in a common sense kind of terminology, if you will, uh, that will keep the overall goal is versus the individual pet peeve. Uh, so, uh, uh, again, I, I like what I'm seeing here. Jay, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, you're right. I don't think they could have put anybody uh, better at the, he- at the head of the table than Jeff Burton uh, mentioned, that, uh, known as the mayor. 
even when he was a driver, I think he saw that side of him that he he had uh, very calming opinions uh, on the direction that the sport should go. The one name when you're mentioning oh, missing a name that most people maybe are kind of surprised uh, over the past few years, I think Kevin Harvick is one that has shared some great oh. ideas. I know when he was doing his podcast, uh, what's that? Oh, they, uh, did you say Jason. something there, Sharon? No, I'm sorry. I thought I lost you. <laughs> I oh, okay. didn't say anything. Um, but, yeah, it, on his uh, happy happy hour podcast, uh, happy Harvick podcast, um, some of the things he addressed, I mean, he really has his mind wrapped around it, and you see it from different aspects. I know Jeff Burton isn't a car owner, but has been very involved with the development of uh, Harrison Burton. Danny Hamlin now as a car owner, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so in the years past, uh, we always said, well, he's only thinking like a driver. I, I think you're going to see that from him. Of, you know, some of, some of the things I've heard him say yeah, are kind of out there and, and selfish, if you will, from one aspect. I think we'll see a change in that. So I think it's a healthy thing for him uh, as far as that. And then you also have ones like Kyle Petty, Kurt Busch that have been around and seen a lot of different changes and how it's affected, so they have a better idea of, of the direction to go. So I think you're right. I think it's a well-rounded group. Uh, like I said, I, I think Kevin Harvick would be a good fit, and maybe it's not what he, uh, what he wanted to do at this point in time, um, but I do think he would be one that would be a good one to get involved down the road, if he will. Um, I saw an interview, and I, I think they're going to do more of it. It was on uh, Race Hub. They just showed a portion of it where our, Steve Phelps was interviewed and talked about that, the changing of the mentality of what NASCAR is and where they want to go, uh, you know, especially when it came mm-hmm. to the schedule. I think that was the highlight that they showed was when he was talking about the schedule. You know, for years and years and years, it, it was shouted, hey, change the schedule, you know, change the schedule. And now we're seeing it, you know, they're not totally redoing it and uh random wild card thing every year, but there are changes happening every year uh, that I think, and they, they realize that. Now it is finding that balance. You want to listen to the fans, but not just because they say they want it. You don't go, okay, we're going to do it. It's finding that balance and, and guys like Jeff Burton and Steve Phelps, but the open communication. And that was what Jeff Burton stressed mm-hmm. in his interview. Uh, you know, being able to go to, even if it is per race, track owners uh, of talking about something, how, you know, how the track is set up, things need to change in the track, things they can do at the track when we talk about the fan zones and different things like that. Talking to NASCAR as far as leadership, the entire direction the sport is going and things they're changing. So uh, the open communication, and we have seen that over, I'd say maybe five to seven years slowly at times or, you know, a little bit faster pace now but that willingness to change and not stick with the status quo. Yes, because the sport is changing. Uh, There is no doubt about that. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but Kyle Petty is going to be a part of this group as well. He's not an active competitor. He's he's, uh, an analyst, though, and I think he's going to bring another perspective to that group as well uh, that is going to be very beneficial uh, from that, that point of view. Uh, so I, I and that you, you bring up a good point about Kevin Harvick. Uh, one of the things he said he did wasn't going to the meetings because of his frustration with the fact that they really weren't being very effective. So uh, 
if he sees that this group is is being effective and listening, uh, I think that you're going to see Kevin Harvick uh, get involved uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, but I do really like what these guys are doing. Uh, the sport is changing, uh, and, and you brought this, that you touched on this. Uh, there's a need for drivers to kind of change their mindset because this is not the 1990s anymore. It's not the early 2000s. Uh, we're, we're evolving into a different era of sports. And uh, so the drivers have to kind of clear their head and kind of reset their minds uh, of what they need to do differently, how they need to think differently uh, moving forward. And, and uh, I, I think that uh, uh, having a group such as this is going to help that process happen, uh, that evolution happen. And uh, I think Jeff Burton is a great guy again, to, to be kind of in the, in the lead role on this. Uh, but your, your diversity of drivers that you have on this group uh, is, is really important to that goal as well. And uh, I think they, they've made it clear that they're looking for a lot of different perspectives and uh, not just the people that are on the team, but reaching out to the tracks and, and problem-solving together on how they can deal with some of the issues and concerns that uh, are coming up from some of these drivers. So it's all good. Okay. It's a good thing I was on mute there because I, I really started laughing out loud. You mentioned it of Kevin Harvick, again, getting frustrated. Uh, and I know Denny Hamlin is one, we'll use the term hothead or can be hotheaded, uh, as we all can at times, but... Jeff mm-hmm. Burton being one, as you said, can articulate and to say, hey, look at it from this perspective. But also then what popped into my head was if he needs to uh, be that hothead himself, I, I thought back to the, the race, and I can't remember what track it was at where him and Jeff Gordon got into it. You know, uh, Jeff Burton can make his point physically too if need be. <laughs> so uh, to control some of the, <laughs> some of the others, he, he definitely will stand his ground when need be. So, yeah, I, th- I think, it, like I said, I, I can't think of a better person to have at the head of the table. Uh, but I do think, uh, you know, drivers like Denny Hamlin and, and Kevin can bring something to it. Uh, and then you mentioned, like, Kyle Petty, no longer active in the sport uh, in an ownership role or any other way. But he, I mean, he still loves the sport. He's an analyst, so he's going to see things a little bit differently. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Harvick, going back to that, not just a um, – a team owner or something, but he's a dry, the, I can't think of the name of KHI is now a marketing and uh, um, driver media. representative. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a sports promoter. There we go. There, I, I was trying to look for the right word. Okay. Okay. So the, the, that's from that aspect of it. Um, um, so you're going to, you're going to see that side of it. So I think anybody that has that kind of involvement and, and I mentioned just Kyle Petty. I mean, this is, this is what he's known. What, in racing, hasn't Kyle Petty been involved in? Talk about some of these drivers that were selling hot dogs or tickets at these tracks when they started, you know, sweeping up in, in garage areas. You know, they've been through all parts of it. So, yeah, that, and they still have that passion for the sport. So to see that come in uh, is a good thing, um, you know, versus, and I don't want to point anybody out particularly, but there's some that maybe just show up and, okay, I just want to drive. It's just about me and the money I get by driving mm-hmm. and winning. Okay. They're invested in the sport, you know, as a whole. And that's 
any that may have that other attitude at this point will probably eventually become invested, but they're not yet at this point because to them it is still just they're getting to do what they want to do. Don't have that long-term vision, if you will. Right. Uh, if I can just add one other little thing here. Um, you know, emotion is a good thing. It, it, I don't want to imply uh, that a driver's emotion uh, is a bad thing. Uh, and there is a, a time and a place for that emotion and that passion to come out. <clears throat> but I think Jeff Burton is the kind of guy that can can deal with that emotion and still keep them on focus. And, and that's what I want to say. Behind closed doors, they're going to see that emotion and that passion come out. But they'll keep it behind closed doors, if you will. Uh, and I think, I think Jeff Burton is the kind of guy that's going to make that happen as well, if that makes sense. Oh, most certainly. You're right. Uh, you're right. We don't ever want to see the, the emotion go away because that is the passion is what drives the entire sport just with fans. I mean, the passion they have, whether it be the, in favor of their favorite driver or against their least favorite driver, that passion is what drives it. You know, Dale Earnhardt, I think it was Dale Earnhardt that gets credited with saying it first of, I don't care if they're cheering and booing, as long as they're there making noise, you know, they're there. <laughs> That's the point. All right. All right. Okay, next new hot topic. All right, well, uh, reset your pacemaker here. I'm going to say this. I kind of wish Mike were here. Um, <laughs> talking about the part shortage, um, and I know Mike's on, on the far side of it of feeling like NASCAR is going to protect the chartered teams. Um as far as parts are making sure they have it before the unchartered teams or the underfunded teams, um, where where does that fall in, in NASCAR finding that balance of, again, you want it, that's why they're chartered teams, is to protect them and make sure they're in the race. But when it comes to getting parts and availability of parts, uh, the line of making sure this team gets them first versus another team. Yeah, I think that originated from a um, tweet by Bob Pockress. He says, I think NASCAR will do everything possible to make sure charter team has car, even if a backup prepared by another team in its manufacturer group. Some teams without backups at the clash still had most parts and pieces to replace on the car. The main issue at the moment is the body panel availability, which is what I had kind of brought up earlier. That's where those uh, snap-on parts are. Um, and I've got to get Steve Einhaus back on here. He's part of that five-star bodies uh, organization that is behind the fiber carbon parts here, and he can maybe give us a little perspective on the, the supply chain thing that's happening. But... Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess Mike's concern is that there might be some favoritism uh, given there. But I think NASCAR is going to do everything they can uh, to make sure that uh, uh, they might prioritize. They might say the charter teams first, and then the other teams that qualify will be get a second chance. But I think NASCAR is going to do everything they can to help everybody. Uh, and I, I've heard it from all the different drivers 
that they are aware of this situation, that they don't have a backup. Everybody is very much aware of that. And all of the drivers, yeah, they've got that racing mentality. But even Noah Gregson, who is one of the more aggressive drivers out there sometimes, even he was saying it's going to change his driving style. It's going to change the way he approaches the race uh, with his motorsports. Uh, because he knows the vulnerability that exists there. Uh, in order for him to be a part of the Daytona 500, he's got to be able to qualify and, and get through those duels. Uh, so if, if he wrecks his car, he's going nowhere, and he, that he knows that. So um, they are going to try to take care of their cars, I think. Uh, I don't think NASCAR is going to do anything that's going to – uh, they're they're in a sticky situation. Let me put it that way, because no matter what they do, somebody's going to have a complaint about the way that they do it. But one thing that I do trust with NASCAR is they have a broader picture that they are looking at that none of us are privy to, and so I always give them benefit of the doubt for that reason. They are looking at the larger picture, and I think in the scheme of looking at the larger picture, more times than not, they make the right decision. Do they sometimes slip? Yeah, don't we all? None of us are perfect. But I think that their intention is always to try to do the right thing than what's going to be in the best interest of everybody. So I would just caution that we give NASCAR that benefit of the doubt, that they have that broader picture that none of the rest of us know. I, th- I think you're very key there, Sharon, and, and, and that's kind of what I said to Mike of, you know, you're taking one little bit of information, uh, you know, and I'm not, Bob Pockris, obviously one that's very involved and has always has very good and accurate information. But even with that, that doesn't say the full story behind it. When you talk about that mm-hmm. event, if they are a chartered team is getting something from an unchartered team or another team, you know, what's the compensation? What's, what's being provided to that team that ensures their long-term success in the sport down the road that we may not be hearing, okay? So, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you, you, uh, you provide this part right now, um, you know, whether it be monetary or something else of compensation and working out a deal down the road that benefits them uh, that we're not hearing about or seeing. So, like you said, of not seeing the full picture, uh, I am a little concerned uh, along the terms of what Mike was talking about um, because the whole intent was to bring new owners in, get new teams in, help them become competitive. Yeah. I don't want to see, for a couple of reasons, I don't want to see certain teams get uh, priority and then somebody go without. Uh, and I also just, and it'll happen, I think you said it, it's going to happen no matter what. Somebody's going to complain about something or pick something apart. I don't want them to open that door of, and <laughs> I feel bad. I always use Chase Elliott just because, again, he is the most popular driver. But I don't want to have people screaming that, hey, Chase Elliott only won the championship because NASCAR provided him the, t- the parts, whereas other people couldn't get the parts. I don't want to see that door mm-hmm. even be slightly cracked open because people are knocking on it already. And, and that's what I don't want to see. Um, I'm with you of, you know, if, if they're working something out where uh, – long-term plan for these other teams if they're borrowing or, or 
I think they're looking at it as of, hey, what's going to work best for the entire industry as a whole long term? And, and you're right. We're not seeing all that and, and what it truly how it will truly play out. And you're right. I, I mean, I've had my disagreements with some things they've done, but I've also had to, as Mike has, eat that crow and said, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. And it worked out. Uh, and I use the, the Charlotte mm-hmm. Roval for one. Um, you know, when they, when they were going to build a road course within the track, I'm like that now that's, that's not a good idea. Okay. Works out great. <laughs> and they've perfected it. Yeah. They still have their hiccups. We've had a couple of, uh, turtles come up and, but they work on it, improve it. So I have learned to put more faith and trust in it and let it play out. Uh, I think Moody is always mm-hmm. one of those when something new comes about, uh, he says, Hey, give it, give it time. Let's see it happen first once or twice. And again, we talked about this with the Coliseum. One time doesn't make it. The, the Bristol Dirt, one time, yeah, there were some issues. Guess what? They changed it to a night race. As a dirt racer, I know mm-hmm. that was a great move. They, made, they learned from it. They made a good call. They said, hey, we saw what happened. We know how to fix it. We're changing it. Going to make it better. So, you know, you got to give it multiple opportunities. To me, the biggest thing isn't if the mistakes were made, it's in that second and third time down the road if they were improved and it got better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bring up a couple of really good points. And, and one other point that I'm going to kind of put in here too is that uh, just look at the history of what's happened in this sport over the ages. Uh, you have story after story after story of drivers helping other drivers uh, when they needed something. Uh, you know, a, a new startup team comes, they lose their car, and a, a, another driver who is well-established gives them their backup car so that they can try to get into the race. Um, you've got stories of... Uh, uh, you know, people helping Matt Benedetto over the years and, and keeping him racing. David Starr, I remember seeing tweets from him, I just need enough money to get tires. Uh, you know, can you help me out with the tires? And, and you know, a lot of times it's the other drivers that are popping in uh, for those tires or the other teams. Uh, team owners that are saying, hey, we've got some extra tires, uh, why don't you take these? Uh, so they have a kind of a, a um, uh, back history of helping one another. And trust me, you don't want to see the new teams get discouraged. NASCAR doesn't want to see those new teams get discouraged either. It's not in their best interest for those new teams to be discouraged. So they're going to do everything they can uh, to help support them and to kind of facilitate that conversation uh, to get people to help one another, I think, in this situation. And I think people will rise to the occasion and help one another uh, big time because it's just kind of in our nature, I think, within that industry to do that. Anyway, we've got a history of doing that. So that's all I'm going to add to it. You're you're right on that, and I can speak for length on on that when it comes to the dirt track of teams helping another team. But the, the counter to that, unfortunately, as a society, though, is is that what gets talked about? Then it happens, but mm-hmm. is that what gets talked about? No, it's the opposite. It's the negative side to it. Uh, you know, and you take you take anything, uh, and just off the top of my head, I think when you look at a restaurant review. You see all the negatives. How many people thought it was good, but then they didn't post that, you know, to put that good review mm-hmm. up? 
it's only the negative ones that come up. If you're happy and content, you walk away. It's only if you're negative or didn't like it that you, you put it out there. Um, so you're right. That, that is happening. You mentioned a great one, a, a Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, I think both Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin endorsed him and provided some financial. And I think back to Dale Earnhardt, you can't even imagine what he did, not just within the <laughs> he dr- did a uh, lot. racing. But, and he would do it either anonymously or part of the agreement was, hey, you can't tell anybody because he didn't want that to be, you know, known or, you know, for whatever his mm-hmm. reasons. But, yeah, he did it anonymously and, and kept it that way. Um, but it was it still happened. So you're right. I think within the garage, I'm sure there is a lot. Think about, uh, you know, with uh, this NY Racing and, and RCR, the, the working with them and getting them to the track uh, this year and on the track with Greg Biffle. Um, you don't always hear or know about all that, but it's happening there. So trust in that. And, yeah, as as a whole, I think you're right. Uh, I think the Na- NASCAR community, the garage area, will come together and come to that what's best for the entire sport long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree. We're coming up to the end of the show here, Jay, and uh, I want to give you a chance to talk about anything that you're working on or tracks that you're going to or anything like that. Anybody you want to write about that might be in the media uh, availability today? (laughs) Well, actually, uh, that was one I had crossed my mind of uh, seeing that clip, uh, and I say I think they're supposed to finish it up. Um, uh, I want to take a look at that of – Steve Phelps and, and the direction NASCAR is going, you know, and, and it can cover a wide range of things, the schedule, the next-gen uh, next gen car. Um, so I'm going to take a look at that and see if uh, uh, I was going to get with you offline of that, of what you have for an interview on that. And I say, I think they said when they showed that on Race Hub, they said there's going to be more of it coming this weekend, uh, a full segment, and they were just showing the, the highlight clip of it. Um, I can only imagine uh, I'll watch uh, Race Hub tonight that – three-hour segment on the media availability. I think there's going to be a lot of good things we can look at in, in the coming weeks uh, as we start the season. Uh, you know, some of it unknown in conjecture or projection. Um, as far as personally, uh, tonight, obviously, going to be watching qualifying. Tomorrow night, the duels. That's why we did this podcast this afternoon. Uh, this weekend, I believe, yeah, the 19th, the Jackson Motor Carp Speedway. Uh, is kicking off their season. So I think I'm going to head down there and hang out. I hung out at Columbus Speedway, the baddest bullring in the south, this weekend for a swap meet and a go-kart practice session. So we're getting into full race season. I know Jackson Motor Speedway or Capital City Raceway is going to start March 5th. So from there on, uh, I think it'll be a track every weekend, uh, somewhere or another, uh, as we get into the full race season. We talk about that. The the grind is starting. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I just want to mention something new that I'm doing at FanFaracing.com uh, is uh, instead of our usual news ticker that I really wasn't using, I decided to do a NASCAR on Fox and give the date uh, with a display of what's on Fox for that particular day. Uh, so you have the name of the show, the times that it's on, and whether it's on Fox Sports 1 or Fox. And I'll continue to do that. Um, uh, hopefully throughout the season uh, where I can post on a daily basis what to look for on NASCAR on Fox based on their uh, uh, Daytona Speed Week schedule that they put out. So uh, watch for that over the weekend. Uh, I've got the three things that are on today, the media, 
uh, day for the Daytona 500 from 5 to 7.30. Then you've got Race Hub from 7.30 to 8 on, on Fox Sports 1. And the big thing, too, is the Cup Series poll qualifying from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, also on Fox Sports 1 uh, for today. Tomorrow, of course, it will be all about the duels and the information about all of that. So uh, watch for that at FanFracing.com if you're wondering uh, you know, what to watch and what time, uh, I'll have those that information available on our ticker uh, at com. I just also want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners. We've had a huge spike in our listenership uh, to start off the season uh, this year. And uh, I appreciate everybody taking the time to tune in. Uh, we love the fact that you're tuning in, whether you're listening online uh, to the live broadcast or if you're tuning in for the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to hear what it is that we have to offer and what we have to say. Uh, so uh, thank you to our listeners. Jay, thank you to you for being available to do this podcast today. Uh, we were going to have a hard time figuring out when we were going to be able to get that podcast done uh, so that we could talk about the qualifying and the duels. Uh, we were able to do a review of the race at New Smyrna in the first half hour of this uh, uh, episode, and uh, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here for the entire two and a half hours. Um, and everything that you do with the Fan for Racing Fantasy Group as well. You put a lot of extra effort in uh, for that as well. Uh, super excited about the season. Uh, this is my favorite weekend of the whole entire year is uh, watching the Daytona uh, Speed Weeks and uh, everything that unfolds there. So I hope everybody enjoys it as much as we do. We'll be back on Monday night uh, to talk about um, to talk about the review of the racing this weekend. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, we do have Christian Rose on our schedule for 9 o'clock on Monday night. And uh, Sal hasn't told me who his guest is yet, but we'll have a guest for the 930 uh, segment as well. Christian Rose is racing the Arkham Menard Series East and the Arkham Menard Series this weekend. Um, so he is with uh, Cook Racing Technologies. And uh, from what I saw at that New Smyrna race, I'm really looking forward to chatting with him and getting to know him this season. So uh, look for more from Christian Rose on our Fan for Racing radio episodes. So um, a lot to look forward to here, Jay. Yeah, super excited. Like you said, uh, this really kicks it off. Um, I, favorite weekend, it seems like, though, we say that every weekend, every race we're going into just because, uh, you know, we get excited <laughs> about the race coming up. But uh, Daytona, definitely a big weekend all the way around. The 500 is the Super Bowl of racing. Um, so, yeah, it is, a, it is a huge weekend. And then we get into the groove. I know uh, next week we'll go back to the regular night Thursday night preview. We've done a couple of these podcasts. I'm just fortunate uh, that I was able to uh, be here with it and get it out so we can get it out to the fans. So, And the fantasy thing, you know, I enjoy it. And we're, we're having a lot of fun with it already with Brian. Uh, I've already gotten, uh, gotten <laughs> on him. I, I talked to him. I said the rules are you got to make fun of Mike and you can't pick my winning drivers. And I haven't seen him make fun of Mike yet, and he took my winning driver already, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to follow up with James Bickford uh, so that we can uh, still have our our, uh, catch-up time with him. So watch for him to be a guest on a future episode. And uh, our apologies for him not being here today. Some things come up sometimes at the last minute. Uh, And uh, we had so much to cover today that we really uh, just didn't have an opportunity to squeeze him in. But I want to give him the full due diligence as well of having that full 15-minute segment. So uh, definitely we'll work hard to get James Bickford back on the show. Okay, with that, Jay, I think we're ready to call it a night or a day. All right, enjoy the racing. We got days of it coming here uh, for four four days, I think, straight now. So you, you yeah. can't miss it. We'll see you on the other side. Good night, everybody. Later. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.